Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, shouldn't he be on a soapbox, some rainbow soapbox somewhere shouting time's up? It's Arturo Zurita. Zach, we have the most loaded time in television. This is like... They say we're going to go on another lockdown. If we do, we have more than enough stuff to watch at this point. I keep forgetting that every week there's a new episode of Succession. I wake yeah. up on a Monday and I'm like, oh, damn, that's right. New Succession, <laughs> new Curb, new Insecure, new absolutely everything that's out there. So hey, it's a good time to be a movie fan, a TV fan. Any, Even the video games are about to come out really good. I've been watching some really great plays, X. So it's, it is Content. not just uh, Content. right award season. It is just so so much good stuff out there. Yeah, how is my girl Carrie Coon? I, saw, I know you saw her oh. in uh, Chicago recently. Man, bro, we have a... We have a Carrie Coon double feature going on today. We got some Ghostbusters Ooh. talks, and she's in that. I, I had the opportunity to go see her in Bug. Tracy Letts himself Obviously wrote that one. Great. Yeah, Tracy Tracy Letts, who's her husband, uh, who wrote this one, is also in Ghostbusters, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> so they've been together for a, for a couple of stuff. Yeah. Um, I got to go see it at the Steppenwolf. <laughs> Even snatched some of these little uh, coasters that nice, they had. Nice, nice. Of course. But yeah, they just reopened the Steppenwolf, so it's a, you know, they, they've... Fixing up that theater to have this whole extra space and stuff, new bar and all that. So the whole experience was great. It was my first time there. Uh, but it was it was a solid play to see uh, Carrie Coon live. She did a great job, but her co-star, Namir, uh, with it being a play about, like, paranoia and this it all takes place in a, uh, a little motel, um, I found his performance to be fascinating. So if you're in Chicago, I didn't know she was a Chicago native. She lives yeah. here. Uh, she is doing this play every night until like the end of December. So if you do have a chance to catch it, uh, go give it a watch. That was pretty good. Very Great production cool. design. Very cool. All right. Uh, let's get into it the way we normally get into it here. And just a quick reminder that uh, if you're not already subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, why not? You should go do that over on iTunes or you, uh, Spotify or whatever your favorite podcatcher is, my like Overcast, as well as on YouTube, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you are watching us live now, potentially. Uh, we occasionally do our live streams here on YouTube, so it's a good place to be subscribed to catch the latest Intercut content. You can also follow us on social media media at intercut pod that's at intercut pod and that's short for podcast as well as supporting us on patreon for as little as one dollar a month that is also at intercut pod we really appreciate your contributions there and shout out to our producer level producer the producer level patrons over on inter uh intercuts patreon they are cademan da zapata ewan Tushar, and of course the producer level patron, Awkward. Thank you all for your continued support. But let's start the show the way we start it pretty much every week here on Intercut. And that is with, with the what we are watching. If I could find my little graphic there. Yeah, that looks nice. The what hey. we are watching art. There is a, uh, a, big, a big red movie out there. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about and green uh, and blue. <laughs> what is uh? What were your thoughts on Clifford the Big Red Dog? Oh man, okay, you're the right. Movie no, on everybody's blue. mind. Well, there is a little bit of blue in this movie. It takes place <laughs> in Manhattan, as you know. There was a big part of Clifford. New York's practically yeah. another character in this feature. Uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog. I, I grew up on Clifford. I, I read the books. Uh, Clifford was the series of books that taught me how to read Spanish growing up as well. So, I, you know, I'm I'm very well versed in the Cliffordverse. 
this was a movie I actually bought tickets to go see in theaters. You're not going to even see him on the big screen. He's the big red dog. It's playing on Paramount Plus, and um, while I don't like that service, if you wanted to catch this movie, I'm assuming you have kiddos, spend the nine ninety nine, get a free trial, watch it there instead. <laughs> um, I did see it in theaters, and it's like the, the ratio is a little bit different for this movie, and because Eternals and everything else is out, if you go to the theater, it's not like you're going to see it on the biggest screen they have in the theater. So you're good watching this at home, especially with the effects. It is pretty much an updated story of what Clifford is supposed to be for this little girl who adopts him. They're they're down on their luck, but they own like a three-bedroom apartment in New York. You know what I'm talking about, Zach? Mm-hmm. Um, and it isn't until she finds this dog where they tell her, you know, this dog will grow depending on how much you love it. And Zach, she loves it. Uh, <laughs> it grows to be this massive, insanely big dog. That's red. And the whole story is um, between uh, them trying to take care of the dog and a corporation called Life Grow, played by uh, what's the homie from Arrested Development? And Tony Hale. What a, Tony Hale. He he plays this like evil Steve Jobs guy who wants to like, I don't know, he's like Monsanto. He wants to make things grow. So when he finds this dog that can grow, he wants to take like a vial of the blood. That's the whole bit. Um, the. Uh, uncle is played by the brother in Jungle Cruise. I know he's probably bigger to the Brits over here, uh, or over there, and that's like a really big aspect to his character. He's a schlob, <laughs> and he is speaking in an American accent, always joking about how he's going to use his English accent as a disguise. Uh, I thought he was using his American accent as a disguise because this man slipped out of that more than Clifford did throughout all of Manhattan. <laughs> it's an okay movie. Um, I, it's definitely citing more on the kids. Um, side of films where it's just like a bunch of different gags that they do but there are they they slip in a lot of adult jokes in yeah. there for you sure th- but is it enough to like entertain no. an adult viewer you think or or is it no. just like little pittances here and there it's enough for an adult viewer to go like okay clifford's inside because he lives in a truck bro he doesn't even have a house he lives in a truck and in the moving truck they're hiding clifford and clifford's moving the truck and there's a lady walking around in new york and she sees it you know <laughs> the truck going and she goes and then just continues. That's the adult jokes, right? right? So you as an adult are just going there like, what? <laughs> and then it moves on and then it's like uh, continuous just kitty jokes for like 15 minutes until the, the next one where he says, uh, I went to Burning Man. So, no, I don't think it justifies the adult perspective there. But um, it's not a good movie in any way, shape or form. But I think it, for what it's intended to be for kids, uh, save the money in the theaters. I don't think you need to go there. Uh, watch it at home. Paramount yeah. Plus will do the job. It's fine. And you can rewatch it and rewatch it again when you have that uh, that streaming service at home. Not like I'm... trolls, where, <laughs> where people racked up like a hundred bucks just from the rewatch. All right, uh, let's move on to what is probably the the most anticipated theatrical release coming out at least this uh, holiday time. You know, the whole Thanksgiving extended celebration uh ghostbusters afterlife at least for a certain corner of the film going community a lot of people are excited for uh what is kind of like a return of sorts to the the family legacy jason reitman taking over the ivan reitman franchise because because that's why people went to the ghostbusters movies in the first place right to see ivan Ivan. reitman's work uh you got a pretty big cast here with as you mentioned our our favorites like carrie coon and uh, Tracy Letts, but also Paul Rudd, uh, Finn Wolfhard off Stranger Things fame, Sigourney Weaver. You got the uh, original Ghostbusters making appearances here. It's f- packed full of the things you remember and the people you remember and the jokes you remember and the product placement you remember and some new product placement that you're going to remember. And new toys. 
Art, what was your what was your experience like with Ghostbusters Afterlife? Yeah, a lot of people like to complain about fan service. This is nothing but fan service. It is a ghost con convention up on screen for you to pay a ticket to at the cinemas. I thought it was a blast, bro. I love this movie. I had a great time with it. I'm not saying it is a great movie. I'm not saying that if you're not a fan of Ghostbusters, I don't I don't think you'll be bored by this movie though. I don't think regardless of where you come from, it is a blockbuster just having a good time movie. The performances for the most part I, I thought finn wolfhard wasn't that great I, I don't know his delivery and a lot of these lines weren't fantastic there is a new character also called podcast uh that ends up being mckenna's like side partner character yep none of his jokes worked throughout the movie for me but that's mainly because i don't think the note was saying you could tell when like a, a young kid actor is like they wrote things for him and he doesn't know what uh the conspiracy theories are that he's speaking on in his podcast. He just like regurgitates that line, but he does have a good final line that he says to a, to a really big character that I loved. Uh, it really is Carrie Coon coming in to play the, I mean, I'm assuming most people know what the plot is. She, she plays a mother character who moves into this, um, middle of nowhere town in order to take what would be maybe her inheritance of some sorts as they realize not only what's in this town, but McKenna, who's our new character, pretty much taking the spirit of Egon, uh, as the movie's like a really big tribute to Harold Remy's, um, trying to figure out uh, not just her history in terms of what her family did and all the ghost busting, because I guess nobody remembers the big attack that happened in New York. <laughs> it seems to always be the thing. Uh, but they're trying to build up, you know, what would be this new legacy. And I thought they did a great job with it. Is it filled of a lot of references, you know, that just calling back to the first? Yes, but I think they do it well. I think uh, McKenna Grace is fantastic. I didn't even know. I don't know why I keep watching these movies with McKenna. I know she's fantastic. I keep forgetting it's her. I, my goofy self probably thinks she's getting too invested into it that I completely forget that that's her up on screen. But I thought she killed it. She definitely feels like the granddaughter of Egon. Um, and I like the little adventures that she goes on. Like I said, oh, not all the okay. I you know I've been wondering where I know McKenna Grace from. She's the person Everything? who plays the younger version Everything. of everybody. Everybody. The younger Captain laughing. Marvel. The younger Itania. Who else was there? You don't stop. Young Malignant. Uh, young haunting. Yeah, a young haunting. It's it's insane, bro. No, she is talented beyond belief. That's why I'm saying I'm like it took me a while to be like, damn, this McKenna. See, I, they I were like, I, I wasn't sure I knew her or whatever, but I've already seen her in seven different movies. So it's insane, dude. She is mad talented and maybe, uh, maybe too talented to the point that she does have a single out, Zach. She is a music star now as well. Ah, right. So Do she's going think? for that uh, cross platform. Hype. Do your thing. Cut that out of the movie, bro. It's the ending credits song. I uh, hate ending credits song. <laughs> Garbage. Um, but nonetheless, no, she is fantastic in the movie. I think overall, if you're a fan of Ghostbusters, you're going to love it. You are correct. Not only is it filled with Easter eggs to the previous movies, they got you with uh, just the product placements of everything. Like, mm -hmm. they're, they're just bathing in it. They know exactly uh, what made all the other ones successful, and that's being able to, as um, Dan Aykroyd calls it, be toyetic. He says it's a very toyetic property. And yeah, uh, I think it lives up to the hype. Paul Rudd was fantastic as well. They do a great thing as well. Uh, I didn't know that they had released it in the trailers, but it, it, it is practically beat by beat from the original. And uh, the stuff that they do with, let's say, the Stay Puffed, mm -hmm. I, I, it sounds like they want to do a series, bro. It sounds like they want to make this into an animated thing. They're going to make this into the new type of Minions thing. I think people are going to eat it up. They are going to love it. Uh, and I think it's a good time in the theaters. I went to go IMAX special and y'all saw it early, definitely let me know. I went in there, and they start playing Eternals. 
everyone boos, which one is hilarious that he's playing it and everyone's like, boo, it just says in the beginning, they're like, no. Yeah. They then go and replay it again, but they chopped off the screen. Now, you know how big I am with my IMAX. They chopped off the IMAX mm -hmm. damn intro. So I'm watching this whole movie, and it never expands to IMAX. I paid the extra money to go see it in IMAX. The big deal that it's uh -huh. optimized for IMAX. If any of y'all see this, let me know if it's fully shot in IMAX. I I'll probably see it again during the weekend, get back on the next stream. But that was kind of disappointing in terms of my screening. Um, but nonetheless, even with it being you know, cropped how most people are going to see it, hey, I, th I thought it was a good time. Uh, again, if you're not a... If you're not a fan of the series, if you're someone who doesn't really like fan service, definitely not for you. But even if you haven't seen the previous ones, which I highly recommend watching, because damn does it build up on a lot of those. Literally any mistake that the previous ones did, issues that have been there, and I'm going to work on a whole LME timeline for that. Stay through the credits, stay through the after credits. Ghostbusters has always been a series where the filmmakers are telling you how they feel about the state of the world and even what they're going through in the industry, and they straight up just say it to the camera. Like, yeah. there's parts of the first one where they're like, ah, oh, we can't work for the university anymore. Man, we have to work for the private sector and come up with stuff? That's crazy. Uh, there's a lot of elements of what they were going through in the 80s in the 84 Ghostbusters, and there's a lot of elements, you know, with the new generation uh, that they come into play here because the 2016 one, non-existent. This, <laughs> Yeah. Just like it never happened, bro. <laughs> they Not are, commented on. Dude, they're meeting up as if they haven't already appeared right. in another Ghostbusters property five years ago. They're like, <laughs> damn, look at them up on screen. Yeah, if they could, they, like, Berenstein Bears that out of existence or whatever, they definitely would. Which, you know, I, it's a shame. I actually, I haven't seen it, but, like, I, I feel like it's just strange to treat, like, a whole movie that way. <laughs> especially because, again, all three of them are in it. And because they're in it, like yeah. you know it had, it had some authority with it um yeah no i think this is the reboot people wanted uh of the well, franchise and i'm Devesh, sure they're gonna carry devesh here in the comments asked do you think it'll appeal to the youth does ghostbusters sell to them because you said this is going to be something that fans of it are really rewarded by and there is sort of this idea about bringing ghostbusters back to it for a new generation like is mm -hmm. this the type of movie that would you know, twenty years in the future, inspire people to to then fight about being oh, not my Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah, because it stays in line with the original, like it really does. And for people who like, again, what you're saying, you have to understand that for a lot of people, this is like, oh, this is just homaging and redoing what well, but, the original. But like, did. If you don't have that reference point, if you if you're a ten year old kid right now going to go see yes. a Ghostbusters Afterlife, I truly believe that McKenna in the future will finally have a young version playing one of her characters when she's older. <laughs> I'm banking on her. I think she does a great job in it. So, yeah, I do think it will live up for that. I think every all the kids who were in my screening, yeah. One of the kids even said, turn off Eternals. We're here for Ghostbusters. And he, that kid loved it, man. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think it's going to live up to the hype yeah. for that. And I think it's going to be a perfect Thanksgiving movie along with that will be fun a little bit. All right. So let's get into uh, the latest Disney animated film, one that I know that you got to see. I, I missed my screening, unfortunately. So you got to tell me a little bit more about Encanto. Encanto is the newest one by Jared Bush, and I'm forgetting who the other director is. Byron but Howard. These are the, yeah, I believe uh, the duo has worked together for all their stuff. Zootopia, easily being one of my favorites. Uh, Tangled, again, I think is a masterpiece. Um, but they also, Jared Bush worked on Moana. And if you're comparing Encanto to Moana, I feel like it's an even split in where I think Encanto has uh, a little bit of a better story. Very similar, but I, I enjoyed the story a little bit more. In Encanto, but I can compare the songs because they're both Lee Manuel. Moana songs, 
Mm-hmm. I don't say blow it out of the water, pun intended, but it, it really does. Uh, the songs in Encanto are great. They, they really fit the story, and you're following along with them. It does this thing, though, where for many singles, you, you kind of need a phrase in there that doesn't have to do with the movie. You know, like, you don't have to have a problem with your sister to sing, uh, do you want to build a snowman? You know, it's just like a, a really good chorus that you're able to repeat for stuff. A lot of the songs I felt in Encanto, bar two of them, are very much like, we're la familia madrigal, and they're like singing about the family. They're singing about, you know, the like a sibling, Bruno. So you don't really have that element of can you sing this Disney song, you know, at any other point in the day. Mm. And they kind of play into that because they actually do homage another Disney song, which I thought was interesting. They even had it credited in the credits without spoiling. Mm. Um, but it's still nonetheless enjoyable music. I just wonder how much it's going to have a replay value outside of the movie because right. all the songs really play into this family uh, who has all these magical gifts. They have this matriarch who's, you know, festival for every single one in the family once they turn a certain age to see what their gift is. I wish it didn't spoil it in the trailer. It is already in the trailer, so you do realize that the main character, Maribel, doesn't have a gift. Mm-hmm. And it's her trying to figure out, like, you know, what am I to do? Uh, am I going to be able to stop the issue that's arising in this movie, which is that the family may be losing their... They don't call it magical powers. They call it a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, Lean has been on a run with having, you know, families where there is no villain in the Heights. Well, that was a big factor of it, too, that there is no villain. Um Quote unquote, because there kind of is, you know, yeah. they're in the background. They just don't want to mention it. They keep the one here very much in the shadows. It's more so how is the family coping? What are the problems that the family is passing down, be it generationally um, and just how they work together as a family? That the, the biggest strength, you know, that they have is not just in working together, but loving each other and um, not really putting the pressure on each other. And I think that's what I really loved about the movie. Uh, again, I think it's a very good story. The characters are enjoyable. Um Again, didn't love it more than a movie like Moana, but it's very colorful. Uh, probably my favorite single would be the Bruno song. I thought that was a fantastic little one that really encapsulates everything together, not just in uh, switching up the genres, like uh, different rhythms. Mm-hmm. Though you'll go from like rapping to like you know more regular singing to then more of the Colombian uh, style influences that uh, Lean's doing here. I'm trying to think what played before it. There was a short that played before it that was kind of cute. But there's uh, no uh, You're Welcome or No Let It Go lurking among the soundtrack, for sure. For Yeah. For, no, yeah. In terms of the soundtrack, that's what I'm saying. Was like you the, just mentioned. Sorry, was it the Luca short that played before it? <sighs> no. It was like it was like an opossum. Like a, hmm. I don't know. It, it was, yeah, no. It was like a little animal short that was okay. Um, it was kind of cute, but yeah, again, I don't think the music is going to stand up because even the song that you mentioned right now with Moana, uh, the, the, you're welcome, right? Mm-hmm. Like no one's thinking of Maui, like you are, but you're not thinking of like, what did this mean to the character of Maui in this moment? Right. No, you're able to resing that song because you're like, what can I say except you're welcome? Like you, you're, there's a, there's a nice little chorus with that in these other ones, all the choruses kind of rely on like telling you the story of the family. So, uh, you, you'll see it if you end up catching it. The only other thing that I would add with this is, um, and I guess it's, I'll save that one for when you watch it because it's a little bit more of a spoiler. Okay. Um, I guess that's all I have to say about it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something else, but I'm blanking on what the Devesh other point asked is. if it's the best Disney thing this year, and if not, you have a idea of what might be the best Disney thing. I can't even think about yeah, what, are the other, Disney what other Disney things. Was, was Luca this year, I think? Oh, I prefer Luca. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I prefer Luca prefer just Luca. a little bit. Yeah, okay. Uh, should we touch on the biggest movie of all time? Uh, ever? Ever, I mean, we ever. Have to. It, 
the cultural phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, I, people just can't stop talking about Red Notice. So what's the next one we had? <laughs> uh, did you even catch this one? No. no. Who, did people really catch this one for sure? Like, what we're talking about, for, for people who don't know, is that Netflix declared Red Notice to be their most watched debut ever. Biggest. Uh, their biggest all- opening. Wow. Most people watched it. They they don't put numbers on it because they never put numbers on this stuff until much later. Uh, but I just am having a lot of trouble believing that because I don't know, man. I I didn't see anybody talk about uh, Red Notice. I retweeted uh, this, which I'm about to show on the the live stream uh, that Peter Labuza tweeted out. Uh, go- the Google trend around Taylor Swift, Dune. And then way down at the bottom there, that red line that, that doesn't really tick up much, that's Red Notice. That's how much people are, are actively looking out for Red Notice and Googling it and trying to find out information about it. It was, it was opening day, bro. So you see, you see when it starts going up a little bit right at the end? That would have been opening day. You, you have to understand, it's skyrocketed, okay. bro. That guy right there? It's like a Red Notice. You, you didn't see it coming. You know, put the next day right there, and Zach, you wouldn't even believe it. it it's not even – it doesn't even shoot up. It's like a – it's just straight perpendicular. Um, I don't get it. But I guess this is Netflix now. This is a two hundred million dollar movie. Set. Yeah, that and they still had to do uh, promos for Ryan Reynolds's gin and Dwayne Johnson's tequila in the movie. And you didn't see the movie, so you didn't even know how it plays, bro. It makes <laughs> no sense. Again, this is a spy thriller in where you have what is supposed to be, you know, like a, I guess he's Interpol or he works with Interpol. Dwayne Johnson is the agent. You got the bad guy who would technically be uh, Mr. Reynolds over here. And they're trying to find this egg. It's every other movie you've ever seen. It's so many homages to Uncharted. It's so many homages to Indiana Jones. Literally, they have the box from Indiana Jones uh, from the warehouse scene. Uh put into this movie i don't understand why it's 200 million dollars if everything's green screen i don't understand why it's that much if you're right it's completely filled with advertisements down from cars that dwayne the rock johnson can't fit into both their gin and their other thing and what's weird about it is that i I like ryan i like everybody in this cast for the most part i like ryan reynolds you know he's got that shtick right where he goes i didn't take the painting with the woman with the red hair cut to the wide painting yeah, with with the woman with that, the red that hair. snarky oh. kind of disconnected smug thing. I don't know where the egg is. I swear to God. Yeah, cheap recording of him saying, "I know where the egg is." Swear to God, it's just it's the it's the like the same bit over and over again. But it's with a what would you call it? Self aware comedy, the Deadpool thing that he's been doing. <laughs> snarky, that when, so, yeah. That when he just stuff. leaves the bottle of gin there, it's like, aren't you the type of person to make fun of that? Right. And they didn't take the time to make fun of that. And that's where I'm like, see, that's the part where you will actually break through and have a joke. Uh, there's a Vin Diesel joke in here as well. Uh, people kept typing that up. It doesn't come to way end in the movie. And I'm like, yo, what? Uh, not for me. And this is a movie um, that does too much. I'll just put it that way. Uh, by the third act, they are switching up way too many things on you. I don't think it ever works. Uh, again, I don't think the action delivers the way that they think it does. The comedy, I guess it's fine enough. For you to, you know, because they're likable. You didn't appreciate the like, oh. now iconic I'm Ed Sheeran bitch line? I was leading up to that. <laughs> Excuse me, I, I cut your uh, cut your build up. I thought it was the most pointless thing he's done since Game of Thrones, and then they wrote in, I'm Ed Sheeran, I'm in, <laughs> I, I was in Game of Thrones. Uh, Were you? You know, she, 
You were like but only she, barely there, and nobody wanted you to be. I can't wait for the next movie, Zach, where he goes. I'm Ed Sheeran. I was in Red Notice. Notice. The biggest movie in Netflix. I look. It's if it if you just want to knock out. How long is this movie? About a little under two hours. Uh, uh, you know it's at home. I can't blame you. Look, Netflix has been doing uh, theater releases for their movies. They had Tick Tick Boom, Red Notice playing. You know how big I am on the fact that AMC's have just dropped the balls. Let me speak on that for a minute. I'm done with Red Notice. Uh, enjoy, enjoy. <laughs> Let me speak on this for a second. I don't know if you can Google this. While I don't care for Red Notice, it's a Netflix movie. And it's not playing in AMCs. And I haven't seen it in Regals. It was playing in, like, Marcus Theaters and, like, Landmarks. Anything, you know, that's its own independent thing. However, if you put AMC Theaters Disney Plus Day, as you know, you know, because Red Notice is one thing. They, they're not even playing Tick, Tick, Boom. You have to, again, go to these other theaters to see Tick, Tick, Boom and stuff because AMC doesn't like playing netflix films they are really against streaming i made a huge oh just stay there for a second Zach. pull that up a little bit so that people can see it netflix every year when they do their oscars thing made a huge deal on skipping out on roma on skipping out on the irishman like that's when it tipped over for me i'm a broken record when it comes to how annoying i think they are they didn't play the scorsese film in their showcase because they have this much against streaming slash netflix Zach, what are you looking at right now? Uh, that would be the Disney Plus Day surprise screenings in AMC theaters page. For those of you who have seen AMC, they've been doing their like cheap thrills or whatever it is. You pay five bucks, and I guess the thrill is supposed to be you don't know what you're paying for. Uh, I've never understood the purpose of those, but whatever, they're five bucks. Disney Plus has decided to come in and infiltrate AMC. They had their Disney Plus like marathon thing that they announced you know, for their streaming service, and everybody was seeing all the new things that were out there. Sure, that's fine. Do your thing. However, they took up one, two, three, four, and I think the Pixar one had two, five big theaters because I checked them on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of last weekend. On AMC theaters. The company that doesn't believe in giving Scorsese, Roma, all of these big Netflix features a space literally took up five theaters for Disney Plus showings that were the same thing. Five bucks. And we'll see what Pixar movie it is. <laughs> we'll see what Star Wars movies it is. And they're all titled Disney Plus. It was literally a whole theater just as an advertisement. Hey, but Disney's uh, still tr- trying to put their uh, new Marvel movies in theaters, I guess. I guess that's uh, maybe AMC likes that a little more. It's going to be the only thing in theaters, Zach, yeah. at this point. I Look, mean, that's the thing. is, uh, I think the game changed a lot when, post-COVID. Like, everybody shifted to streaming, and then AMC was like, uh, actually, we can compromise. But they kind of they, they drew their line in the sand with Netflix early, and, and I don't know if it's just pride or whatever now. They, they're too proud to nope. go back on that. Look, people always complain about, like, these Netflix movies and them not getting a theatrical push. They do. But unless you're living in an area where you're going to have a theater that's going to host it, like... The Paris you Theater. end up watching it at home. Dude, I really... Exactly. I really wanted to watch Tick, Tick, Boom in theaters. Yeah. And it's not playing. Like, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty bogus, especially just because they turn back on it and they're giving uh, Disney the stuff. Um, I don't know if you did see the Disney news, if you want to talk about that, because, again, as much as I don't like the moves that they make, I mean, it's great. I'm really looking forward to the Hawkeye show. Vincent mm-hmm. D'Onofrio came out, and as everybody knows from Daredevil, that man was, like, really passionate. We weren't making a superhero with Daredevil. We were making Shakespeare. We are doing all this. Well, he retweeted that Hawkeye trailer, and he was like, this looks pretty good, huh? And I'm like, <laughs> sir. So, look, 
besides all the meddling that happens behind the scenes with you know money talking, they got a lot of content coming out. I guess we'll see. But AMC, play these good movies in your theaters, man, because they really are the, some of the biggest accessibility, especially when it comes you know to the people who have AMC subs uh, and Regal too. I don't know what y'all doing. Regal just needs to fix their screens. I'm done with Regal, man. They had they screwed me over on the IMAX screening for Ghostbusters. Uh, I saw the Rocky movie, the, the director's cut. <laughs> Do you want to talk uh, about that? Sure. That one got delayed for 30 minutes, bro. Uh, or even our buddy Lee. Lee over from Drum Dums. I know he went to go see this movie. Several people around the globe. Or I guess just America. Ben and Rocky IV, I guess the globe is America. If you've seen the movie. Everyone in America was there on that Thursday night to see the fight that happened decades ago. Rocky v. Drago. It's the fourth Rocky. The biggest Rocky. During COVID, uh, I guess he had nothing else to shoot. So Sly, who directed and wrote this movie, decided to go back and he was able to convince MGM that he could re-edit this movie and make a new cut that he wanted to make from all these years ago uh, and release in theaters and that there would be an audience there because it was the most, it was the biggest of, of the Rocky films. I am a huge Rocky fan. Love the original cut of the movie, as goofy as it is. This new cut is completely different. It changes the tone. It is more serious. If you know anything of the, of the movie, they cut out the robot. The yeah. whole premise is, you know, this is the one where it, it's really just America versus Russia. And there's so many political undertones and everything down to, you know, the opulence that Rocky has now that he's like really big and he's got this robot. Uh, and then you have Drago, who is pretty much a subject of the Russians who, you know, they're just using him in terms of like a, a political fight. And this is the big one because, obviously, spoilers, I guess, for a 35-year-old movie, but, I mean, Creed's spoiler as well. It's when Apollo Creed, you know, the main dude Rocky was fighting in one and two, ends up becoming his coach in three, and even in four, he dies. And he goes back to change a couple of things. Mm-hmm. I heard I'm he, not the biggest... uh, he gives uh, him a little bit more punch, punching yes. time. Yeah. The, the scenes that he gives Apollo into, like, like why he really wants to take the fight, the the the... The fight itself, him not slipping and actually being able to put more punches in, it's great. He reworked a couple of the fights, um, but he, there's some changes I just don't like. He has not cropped the movie. He has color corrected the movie, mm-hmm. so it's more punchier. The colors are, are a little bit different. Yeah. And he has also changed when Rocky throws the towel, which is a discussion that I'm going to have for an LME. Rewriting history, my friend, right here. It's a little a little too much. He reworked a couple of things that uh, are improvements, some that are not as much. He added a lot more Adrian into the movie. And it's one of those where when I came out of it, I was like, I, I thought that was a director's cut, not a director's cut scenes. Because it really much, it feels like you can take all these scenes and just add it to the original cut. Because he added 30 minutes, but he also took out like 25. So I think there is a version, like a fan edit of this movie, like they did for Spider-Man, excuse me, 3. Where you just take all the extra cuts from here and even some of the fixes, put it into the original cut, and I think you have a really, really, really solid movie. Mm. But um, It went a little bit <laughs> too far away from the movie you know. Yeah. And then on top of that, like I said, when we went to go see it, uh, we were waiting there. We had the interview. They had like a Q&A. With, well, there was an opening with Sly. We were supposed to have a Q&A. Never happened. When the interview, the opening happens, literally it turns off and we're all waiting there for 40 minutes. They also lied to us and said that uh, uh, this was a one night only event. The moment we get there, they say, congratulations, you are here. You're a really big Rocky fan. Uh, You're the first to see it in theaters. Do you want to be the first to see it at home? It comes out on digital tonight at 12 p.m. I was like, 
The only reason you're in theaters is because you thought the it was a one-night-only event. The only reason I was in theaters, man. So this thing's because it's a Fathom event too. So you know you got to pay the extra money to see this. Literally, the the thing glitches. We're waiting there for forty minutes. I thought someone was gonna bite off Voodoo, just cast it up on the screen at that point. And honestly, that's what they did. I have footage that I'll be putting in the LME. Yo, they pulled up direct TV. We're all sitting in the theater. They pulled up the direct TV to fix it. I was lucky enough to be one of the ones who still got it at the end. Our buddy Lee and several people across America did not get to see, see it. As you can see if you're watching us at a, on the Amazon. YouTube live stream, a lot of angry people on Twitter after yeah. this one. It's insane. But, hey, uh, we are dealing with just so many cuts, not just with the Rocky cut, which I think is uh, interesting in some of the stuff that he changes, but it doesn't change stuff too vastly. For those of you who saw the last Escape Room, Escape Room 2, there is a version that leaked. Uh, so the LME that we covered was for the theatrical. Um I will be making a follow-up to that, but the extended version for Escape Room 2 is a completely different story. So much so that Escape Room 3 is going to be so weird for people depending on what they follow, the theatrical or the extended. Uh, I see Hillary is also talking about the new Godfather movie. That's one I haven't seen yet, but it is on Showtime, yeah. and I just got Showtime, so I'll, I'll be catching it. Uh, the the third one, as the, everyone knows, is not <laughs> the best one. The Coppola extended cut. He said, it's, he said he fixed it. So I'm curious to see how that one is as well, but... Uh, I'm not against director's cut and the such, um, but it still comes down to the decisions that are made. And in terms of the Rocky one, I'm not a big fan of the throne of the towel. I feel he's going back and trying to trying to change things. I'm cool with him saying, like, there were scenes that were cut out that the studio didn't want me to put in. But if you're having a change of heart 30-something years later, so there is a version, though. Someone cut it up, put it together. Let me know. All right, so uh, that's most of what we've been watching. I don't know if we, you want to say even uh, just a quick word on Love Hard, which spent like a second atop the uh, Netflix trending charts. Uh, our, our boy Jimmy O. Yang is in that one. Uh, good for him, I guess. I, I don't know if you have anything else about that. No, it's a cute little movie. Uh, Netflix is always going to have like their holiday one that comes out. And I thought this was fine enough. It's your regular dating app movie where uh, – what's her name from Vampire Diaries? She works for BuzzFeed and does these vlogs. Yeah, she, she's always like ta- making content out of the bad date she goes on. So when she finds this guy who she keeps texting back and forth, ironically being that dude right there on the right, um, it's funny seeing his Tinder profile say 30 because he's in Never Have I Ever. And we knew he was 30. This is the guy I was telling you about. Yeah, yeah, Who He's doing a thing with a 17-year-old. And I was like, no, nah, this man's 30. So now that I have footage of literally him as a Tinder profile saying 30 years old, finally he's paying his age, which I'm glad to see. <laughs> Good um, for him. But overall, it's a cute little movie uh, for the most part where she goes. She gets hoodwinked because it's actually Jimmy O. Yang. Um, and I love Jimmy. Jimmy is hilarious. Yeah. I don't think they put him in as many good projects, but here he really is the vehicle that's like taking it forward. Um, and it's this whole relationship that he builds with Nina. Um, you know, it's got his cliches. It's got everything there. But it's got a really big moment in where they change uh, the lyrics. They update Baby is Cold Outside. Mm-hmm. Not terrible. They went there. They definitely wanted to be the first to put their stamp on it. I'm just very curious to see how the copyrights to that works, I guess. Uh, they made it so that it doesn't sound as creepy. Um, nice. And, hey, I guess that's what the movie does. It's the, if, you gotta, if you're going to make a, a cliche, you know, annual Christmas movie, well, what's going to be your little stamp? What do you do different? Right. And uh, they were the first to do that. So I, I'm, if you do end up checking it out, you know, it's like you're having Thanksgiving dinner. You need something to play in the background, play in the background. Uh, a lot of the jokes are old. I see someone was talking about the Die Hard stuff. Yeah, 
if she works for a BuzzFeed type company, well, the script got most of its stuff from like BuzzFeed type memes and quizzes and all that because that's what a lot of the jokes rely on. But nonetheless, I, I do like the actors involved. Um, you know, it was a fine enough movie. All right. So shout out to Love Hard and uh, the people that we like in that movie because there are a few of them. Uh, but we are going to move on from what we are watching to hit some quick news topics in a yay or nay where we give our thumbs up or thumbs down on the latest trends in entertainment. I don't know if you wanted to start with any specific Disney Plus Day stuff. I, I wasn't paying too close attention to it since uh, that, that tip tends to not be uh, the types of movies that I'm really into. I did want to talk a little bit about the news that came out about uh, the upcoming Spider-Man Far From or, or No Way Home film and that the delays to Doctor Strange meant that Spider-Man had to rewrite its plot in order to refigure into the overall MCU timeline. So I did want to ask you, does knowing that M- that Spider-Man No Way Home had to change its plot to accommodate for the Doctor Strange movie change your opinion about how good Spider-Man na- No Way Home might be? Yeah or nay? Nah, I mean, when you think about how they did Spider-Man, uh, originally when he was introduced in Civil War, they had two scripts. One with Spider-Man and one without. It is insane to think that there is a script in Civil War that does not include Spider-Man, but that's how they play it, off the cuff. Uh, Feige always has them write multiple scripts in case they can't get a deal to go through. We had it with WandaVision. We know that they cut around WandaVision uh, because of the way that it was released. We know they cut around um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I mean, they changed the whole storyline on what was going on there as well. doesn't change too much to me, but uh, I am one of those who believes, hopes... That one day Tom Holland will get his own movie. I'm sick and tired of seeing another adult Avenger in his posters, right? right. That's not even the new one, but you, you know what the new one looks like, right? Literally, it's just him. He's always being chaperoned, man. Mm-hmm. Always, every single time. If it's not Tony Stark, it's the ghost of Tony Stark. Now it's literally the new Tony Stark, which would be the new uh, smart aleck, uh, snarky uh, head of the Avengers. I don't know. I want him to have his own movie, but of course I am excited in what they're going to do. Whatever changes they made with Doctor Strange and all that, it doesn't matter. We all know what we're waiting for this movie. You saw the new trailer? I actually didn't see the new trailer. I kind of oh. the the internet, or maybe it's just Twitter. Maybe I'm spending too much time on Twitter. I, I got the, just tells you the screen time notification, and I'm spending like over an hour a day on Twitter. I need to stop. But uh, yeah, it just like I I feel like I find out everything through tweets or at least speculation, and I'm just a little it's a new environment. It's just a little bit too much for me. I I, I have enough free promo from strangers that I don't need the marketing materials yet. I'm I'm not. I'm still interested in seeing the movie, but I I don't need the trailer, especially since it hasn't confirmed the two big questions that everybody has, has, but but knows, but doesn't know, but but really knows. You're biting into a burger, and you're seeing red. You don't know if it's ketchup, but, I mean, it's on the burger. What what else could it be, Zach? They're practically confirmed. I don't think they need to be shown in the trailers. And you were right. People have been dissecting. Who who punched the lizard man? (laughs) You can see right here. I love it, man. These men are – they're detectives. If they tried this hard on every other aspect of life, man, they wouldn't be on Twitter so much. That's the the big advantage of making your entire finale sequence out of – uh, CGI is you can just digitally remove the two other yes. Spider-Men. And that's, I, I will say, that's where it has me worried. If you don't have enough footage in your two-hour movie to sell it without having to digitally alter other scenes, yes, Zach, I am a little worried there. That is one thing I've never been a fan of. When Endgame, or sorry, Infinity War, had that shot of them all coming out of the forest mm-hmm. with the Hulk and everything, 
and then that ended up not being in the in the bit. I am not a fan of that. I think you should sell people, you know, the proper thing. Yeah, don't lie uh, without to people with your marketing material. Things. Yeah, because it makes me worried. Like, well, how boring is the movie going to be if you have to, like, mix around stuff for the ending? And people had those theories for the first one, too, that they were masking people out. But I don't know, man. I'm excited. This is going to be great. I want to see I want to see them. It's going to be dope, dude. They're going to put John Campion in prison, too, for, for leaking that stuff. <laughs> yeah, he owes a lot of people yeah. a lot of money. You got you a fine, I think you said. They're coming the for you, John Campia. Off of your own accord, bro. They're going to read back your own tweet. Did it to yourself, man. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm excited for it. In other uh, Disney-related material, Kathleen Kennedy, the producer who has steered the recent Star Wars iterations, has re-upped her deal with uh, to Chief Lucasfilm. She'll be... Uh, heading the company through 2024. This comes amidst news that the much-hyped Patty Jenkins fighter pilot X-Wing film has been indefinitely shelved. Uh, Indefinitely? Indefinitely, which sounds a whole lot like not going to happen. Zach, is that Patty Jenkins in the new Succession episodes? Uh, Was it Patty Jenkins? (laughs) I'm kidding. That 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 new uh, assistant oh, that, that Rose Carrie? Has. Yeah, she does kind of look like Patty Jenkins. <laughs> Bro, she looks like Patty Jenkins every time she appears on screen. Um, hey, I mean, look, I wasn't the biggest fan of The Last Wonder Woman, but more so the whole approach that her and Gal had in where they took the streaming deal. That started the ball rolling for right. Warner Bros. It screwed out a lot of other directors, but they got their nice little paycheck in a movie that's saying don't be greedy and take money over everybody else's you know, happiness and enjoyment and such. Then she goes back and doubles down on like if your movie's streaming, it's probably booty. It needs to be in theaters. <laughs> Nonetheless, I don't, you know, I, I don't want her project to be shelved, but yeah, I mean, we've had so many shelved, so many. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it makes that whole video with her roller skating up to that, that you know? fighter jet just so that embarrassing yeah. on on a rewatch like i don't know it oh, to to invest differences that's different yeah but is it really creative differences or or is it like they're kind of stubbornly in their way like i don't know uh i don't know if there's much room to for creative expression in Star Wars right now. Like, they seem to just be throwing all these projects at different creative people, whether it's Patty Jenkins, whether it's Ryan Johnson, whether it's Benioff and Weiss. And if it doesn't amount to, like, this perfect vision of how they want to J.J. Abrams the story forward, they they just drop yeah. it. And, and to me, it almost makes me wonder if, like, Star Wars just isn't a movie franchise anymore, if it's just a, a TV uh, franchise, because... You know, that's where they kill it the most. If they're if they're continuing Kathleen Kennedy's deal, despite the fact that there hasn't been a new Star Wars movie since is it what two thousand seventeen now when Rise of Skywalker Skywalker came Nin- out or 19? 19, 19. 19? And and uh, Bob Iger back then was saying uh, he wants a Star Wars movie in theaters every yeah, yeah. year. Going, yeah, I see they're asking in the chat if there's going to be one. And look, I know Kathleen Kennedy's gotten a lot of flack and everything. And, I mean, I know her credentials besides Star Wars, going back to all of the, the Spielberg days. But there's one thing, you know, and I had covered it when we uh, did the, the LME retrospective on, on the previous three Star Wars, is that when you're talking about Patty, Patty's new to this. You know, what they did to, the, to Miller and Lord, I thought that was bogus, you mm-hmm. know, but they were new to it. Ryan actually had a finished film, right, with The Last Jedi. Yeah. Again, mind you, however you think about the movie, 
she is on record in the behind the scenes. There's a whole doc where she's like, this is the boy. This is the man. He is the greatest. We gave him everything. Then what she do with the follow-up? So I don't like seeing a producer who's going to do that and then, you know, take away everything from them. I didn't like when they did it with Lord and Miller. He had a full film. So now yeah. when that's happening with Kathleen Kennedy, it seems to be a trend that they're taking stuff away from the creatives. And that, that's lame, bro. <laughs> I, I agree. Nothing to that. It's just lame. I agree. And, like, look, they, they uh, Kathleen Kennedy has steered the Star Wars IP towards a lot of very profitable uh, directions, obviously. You know, Mandalorian mm-hmm. is, was a huge, huge success for Disney+. Plus. I think that alone uh, is enough to renew her deal. But at the same time, I don't know if it's been the creative, really rewarding experience that so many Star Wars fans were hoping for. And it yeah. seems like the only thing they feel comfortable ne- doing now is uh, is sort of retracing their steps and, and and kind of like they're they're not going forward with the new stories. They're like let's let's yeah. go back to young uh, Jabba Obi-Wan. Or, or Obi Wan. Go back to young Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Let's retra- let's CGI Mark Hamill so he looks like he did for 30, 40 years ago or something. But screw I, it. Why not make both avenues? You're such a big right. franchise. Like I, make I, a new one. Give them the old stuff. And, and I don't know on? why they didn't learn any lessons from like Rogue One and stuff like that. Like try some one-off stuff. I don't know, man. I the best is talking about the Chloe one. Supposedly yeah. So what do you think Chloe about Chloe movie? Zhao and Kevin Feige uh, are supposedly heading up a, a new Star Wars movie? Screw me. What do you think, bro? <laughs> I already told you all this. I don't believe it to a certain extent based on sure. what what the buzz was out of Eternals. Like, that just seems bizarre to me. That He's going to make Tree of Life Star Wars. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, Eternals definitely did not give me any faith that she would uh, make a compelling uh, a Star Wars movie. You know, because say what you will about how Eternals looks and how there's a few pretty shots in it, uh, but she fought for not one but two different screenwriting credits on Eternals. It, it just moved that like I've never really seen, and <laughs> and that's she. So um, when scripts go through rewrites, so if they're rewritten significantly enough, the writers get a credit on the finished screenplay. So she did a draft with her writing partner. So she's credited with her writing partner. Then she did another draft by herself, and she's also credited for that rewrite. And she fought for those credits. And and I, to, to care that much about the Eternal script, I don't know. It doesn't leave me with a lot of faith in your Star Wars project. Hmm. You see that as a story thing? You see it as a franchise thing? Because what you're describing to me with a double credit, anytime I see a double credit, it's based, characters based on... No, it's it, they're both screenplay credits. They're not story credits. You know, because I'm thinking, is that like a franchise thing? So it's you make weird. sure your name is stuck to these... That whole movie is weird, bro, but okay. Interesting. Yeah, so uh, the future of Star Wars is definitely interesting. I think uh, Devesh also mentioned they have that Lando show in development. A lot of those shows of uh, looking back in development. I don't know. For the Disney stuff, do you have anything on the IMAX? Uh, No, tell me about it. Uh, You heard about the Disney Plus uh, IMAX thing. That's IMAX. You're supposed to say IMAX and hands, hands, hands. It's a really big deal that they're supposed to do. Uh, obviously, big IMAX fan here. Love it. Uh, it's full screen. Yeah. <laughs> so I can remember back in the day, I used to go to Blockbuster, or you used to see a DVD, and it, you had to pick, you had to pick widescreen. 
or full screen. Or if you're really lucky, it's one of those double sideds where you can choose. Ooh, you could choose, right? Yeah. You, you put in the widescreen, you put in the full screen. Um, mind you, back in the day, many times it was it was literally widescreen because your parents wanted it to fill the whole screen because they paid for a big TV. Literally, it was just chopping off the sides because they were just like zooming it in. Uh, this is supposed to be proper IMAX enhanced. It's been really interesting to see the director say different things for it. Uh, overall, I am for it. Uh, it has been very interesting to see. I think it was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. James Gunn said he was really for it because he had opted, like he he wrote it with all in mind. He he did the shot list, knowing when it was going to be in one nine, um, when it wasn't. It was also uh, what's his name from Wizard one. Doctor Strange director. Oh, uh, Derrickson? About to do Black Phone. Yeah, uh, Scott Derrickson. Yeah. He was mad. He was like, I ain't okay this. <laughs> I yeah. don't want this. And mind you, for some of these movies, yeah. I went back and watched every single IMAX enhanced version. Endgame, Infinity War, and Shang-Chi, which was shot completely in one eye. All three of those movies you will see in its full just scope the way it's yeah. supposed to be the way that they were shot the way that if you saw it in theaters and imax it looked beautiful and i think that's really cool i think it does make a difference on your tv it, it really does i think it's awesome especially in the action scenes there are ones like um guardians of the galaxy and even black widow where they do this really cool thing where they'll be in an action scene that's widescreen and then they'll like they'll cut to black and someone will open a door and the door will open up into the full one nine the full you know frame of what it's supposed to be they even have a really cool one and i, I kind of want to make a video on this breaking them down with some visuals they have a really cool one in black widow uh if you watch it on the final fight it's in widescreen and while they'll cut you know from wide to frame they have one where as it explodes it expands and i was like i don't know that's kind of cool i yeah, liked it yeah well i mean i think it's a cool thing that they have the freedom the technological freedom to not limit themselves to one aspect ratio or, or whatever mm. it is, and, and that and that you can choose for some of these too. It's it's cool. Um, it, obviously, you want them to, to be doing it with like the authorization of the filmmaker or like the creative vision to make sure it's actually meant to be cropped a certain way. Like we have, that's one of the things that's I think has been really interesting in the streaming era is seeing all these different uh, ways in which cropping for modern screens has actually hurt a lot of our fa favorite, uh, you, you know, properties. I, I saw there was a screenshot going around of a t Seinfeld episode where uh, Costanza is pointing at a pothole mm. and the pothole is cut off. Um, you know, as long like as... the Simpsons, well, yeah. Yeah, the Simpsons stuff is definitely like the big, biggest culprit of that. So hopefully um, they can find ways to do it in ways that still honor the vision of the film, at least. And I see uh, Vicious said had that uh, it's not really transforming it. And I agree because at the same time, you have to remember that it's so much different when it's actually formatted to an IMAX screen uh, yeah. than when it's proper IMAX. Because you'll have something like Captain Marvel. I sat through that one. Completely pointless. Not only does it not add anything, it's just extra space above her head and there's nothing that fills it in. Um, it'll randomly be widescreen. Then she'll be on a bike in the IMAX ratio. And then she'll get off the bike. <laughs> it's like 10 seconds of IMAX. Makes no sense. Yeah. So yeah, it does have to do with the story. You have to make sure that it's, that it's framed for it and that it, it works for it as well. Because again, we were talking about Eternals. The whole point with Eternals was that it's supposed to go whenever they're with the Celestials really big. And then when they're back on Earth, pretty small. But I also didn't like it for Eternals. Yeah, you have to remember for a lot of these people, they're just trying to get the... Um, the IMAX cosign. Because if you don't have yeah. the IMAX logo, then you can't play in the IMAX theater where they charge you IMAX pricing. Exactly. Uh, I did want to bring up one quick story, because uh, I don't know if you heard that 
Netflix is producing a new comedy set in a blockbuster video store uh, with Randall Park in the lead. And I don't know about you, but my thought immediately went to last year. Or I think it was last year. Maybe it's this year because I have no sense of time now. Mm-hmm. When Last Blockbuster was the top trending movie on Netflix for like two weeks, something like that. And thought, like, is this how Netflix is now yes. greenlighting their properties? Are they waiting for, yes. for a documentary to pop off like Lost Blockbuster or Tiger King and then just mining that IP? I think it's worse, Zach. I think it's the moments in the last blockbuster that people pause or rewind it on that they go, oh, they like that type of character in blockbuster. <laughs> they like the person who walk around and do this. Make sure you write a character that does that. I agree with you. Did you see they now have the video games fully out? The video games and where you customize your Stranger Things character. Yeah. So do you like your character more in a flannel or in a polo? <laughs> and I'm sure they have the data where if they say flannel... Guess what your favorite character is going to be wearing in the next season? Right. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. I'm kind of, you know, I'm biased, so I'm excited for it. But I'm also like, is it going to be cringy? This is literally, we went from the 80s nostalgia. We are so in the 90s nostalgia now. Yeah. This definitely see, seems like that. So as excited as I am for it, I got to watch it. I got to see it. It could be really corny, and especially if it's licensed, you know. Yeah. The one cool thing about the doc, too, is that they were willing to talk a little smack. Right. Just a little bit. That's the you thing is have. like, it's probably, Blockbuster as a company is probably in a place where it's not going to be like a glamorous depiction of what block, working at Blockbuster video is like. And I like it for the sort of office comedy potential of it. I think workplace comedies in general are like an undermined resource in the modern media landscape. Like there's so much uh, joy that... I've gotten from workplace comedies and there's fewer mm-hmm. of them being made. So to set one in like yeah. a, one of my most nostalgic places, like absolutely. I'm I'm 100% there for it. I do just find it very, very interesting that that's like I really do think it's extremely inspired by Last Blockbuster's success. It, I, I agree with you. You know, it, it's a uh, they, they saw that People are responded to it. Not only that, it was huge on social media. Like everybody was like, "Oh, Netflix made this blockbuster documentary," and you and I know they didn't make it; they just bought it. Yet yep. everybody, everybody now associates them with it and talks about it. It's oh, it's so savage. They made this. That's how it matters, right? Yeah. So I don't. Uh, potentially interesting. I am interested at uh, for sure. Uh, one last yay or nay that I want to hit before. Oh, we... you're right. I forgot about that. What the context of this would be that it's Netflix. Yeah, doing the blockbuster. Producing the blockbuster series. Oh. <laughs> Make you feel a little ickier about it. Yeah, I don't know why it took me a while to connect that. You're right. <laughs> Sheesh. Uh, I want to touch on touch on one more thing here. Or... Oh yeah, tell me about this. Yeah. Uh, so you were furious. You were angry. <laughs> furious. You started to change that org petition. No, I'm actually quite thrilled. Party Down is coming back. The the long rumored new season of the classic stars comedy, uh, featuring a lot of my favorite performers, including people like Adam Scott, Megan Mullally, Ken Marino, oh. Martin Starr, and yes, Lizzie Kaplan. Uh, they are bringing the show back, but as you can see, if you're watching along with the live stream in the headline. Uh, Lizzie Kaplan is not coming back to the show. Although Jane Lynch actually just realized is going to be one of the people back, even though she uh, 
uh, was not on most of the second season of that show. Uh, it's it's interesting news. I'm definitely very excited for it as a huge fan of of the tone of the show and the humor of the show. It's a little bit upsetting because part of what made that show so special is the dynamic between Adam Scott and Lizzie Kaplan's characters. Like it's one of my favorite romantic uh, romantic relationships on TV, and okay, I think they're both fantastic actors. But I, despite the many great performances they've given. I still kind of think they've never been better than they were on Party Down. Wow. Uh, so I praise. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like bittersweet to see this happening. Although um, my hope, which I, I tweeted about, is that uh, Jane Lynch left the second season to go do Glee. But she still came back and they wrote one episode where she hired the catering company. And cool. I think it would be very on theme for the show for, you know, her to ha- for Lizzie Kaplan's character to come back having succeeded as an actress, whereas the rest of them didn't succeed in their different dreams, and she hires the company. I, I'm, right. I'm not ruling uh, out a possibility where we won't get some Lizzie Kaplan on the show for the revival season. It did make me want to ask you, uh, if, let's say, Lost were to come back, but without Sawyer, would you still be excited for it? Yes. Yeah? <laughs> Just play in the Lost world. coming back. Yeah, a lot back. I don't. Sure, <laughs> we'll find a way to bring him back, bro. I don't. <laughs> I didn't want the show to come back. Exactly, it. exactly. I mean, at a certain point, you just love the good stuff, and that it's coming back is, is good enough, good right? All right, so uh, let's move on to uh, our topic, our big topic this week, which we wanted to update. Uh, our thoughts on Succession. I know not everybody's caught up on Succession, so uh, it might be worth. Uh, you know, dipping out for about like 20 minutes or, or catching up with us at the end of the show because we do want to talk about some specifics about this third season, uh, a really awesome season of television that we've been enjoying. Art, let me let me start with this. I think this is uh, the first time that you have been watching week to week, right? You, you used to be a succession binger. Tell me a little bit about uh, what's the experience like now that you're doing the week to week wait for new successions. It's not this week to week. I'm worried about the 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 board chairs and and you know the the logistics <laughs> the of shareholder and, votes and the shareholder votes and you know Logan's just, health all the ups and downs like Logan's health you know you, you can't be doing this if you didn't take your medication uh, no it's great I, it's, it's this is one of those shows that you definitely want to be in the discussion on a weekly basis and like I said it sneaks up on you man these weeks they feel like they're three days I don't know it's because it's winter now and sun's you know just getting it's getting darker sooner. It's just we're loaded with too many stuff that, yeah, I'm surprised. It, it really does feel like I'm binging it, though, because I end up finding myself, you know, almost having to watch two episodes back to back. But uh, it, it's a fantastic season. Um, uh, I know we had done the bracket. We had talked about certain characters as well. And, hey, I think all, all my favorite characters are still delivering yeah. exactly how I expected them to down to uh, Jerry now in the position that she's in. I never expected her to, like, fully – take it to the next level but i think she's she's handling the position exactly how jerry would mm-hmm. uh shiv man I, I, a lot of people are saying that they're realizing uh <laughs> what was it that they were talking about that they're like Mad Men, that there's always going to be a how to put this the nicest way um a curvy redhead <laughs> and they're like post knowing you know and not and not you know, just being stunned by her, you realize, yeah, she's not really cut out for this. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they, 
a lot of hype and not a lot of bang after after that build up. Um, all right, let, let's back it up a little bit because there are some new newer characters that I think are fun. Uh, not a new character, but somebody who's maybe had a little bit of an expanded role as the show's gone on is Fisher Stevens's character Hugo. I'm now regretting not putting Hugo on that character bracket because the way that Hugo kind of like acts as this middleman. Uh, I love that scene where he and Roman are looking at the the forehead guy's tattoo, <laughs> trying to see if, like can can you read is that a K or is that that look like a G? Uh-huh. <laughs> so funny to me. Um, but then there's some new characters too, Comfrey who is uh, lo- uh, lo- excuse me, uh, Kendall's kind of like PR right-hand Bruh, person. you talking about the podcast girl? See the Red Scare girl? Stop, bro. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this isn't, it's the, it's the actress that looks like Carrie Mulligan, bro. She yeah. looked like Carrie Mulligan. And I'm searching all over the place to figure out who it is. I'm going through the IMDb and then I realized she's from that Alex Jones InfoWars Sailor Moon video. And I was like, yep. What? It looks, man. Succession, Succession does good casting. I think they they find the right people for the right roles. I I kind of li- I like the chaos that she's brung so far. Good tweet, bad tweet is is definitely uh, the best like gif that's come from this season so far. Um, yeah, the, I I really do like uh, Colin, uh, the security guard who has a stare down with Kendall, and then uh, more recently is responsible for the removal of the dead cat. <laughs> Imaginary dead cat, yeah. Um, and then also uh, Carrie, who who's shown up and as uh, Logan's assistant and kind of pulls one Very over fantastic. on Kendall too. Yeah, Carrie's great. Uh, so you know they're expand they're expanding the cast. There's also Sanal Lathan's character, who I think we're going to spend some more time with. Uh, but the, you know, speaking of the big celebrity casting, we had a episode that centered on Adrian Brody's new character. I'm done with Adrian Brody. <laughs> Too really? much Adrian Brody in 2021, man. Too much Adrian Brody in 2021. Too, too fresh off a of French dispatch. I kind of like. I think I liked him here. I think he. Oh, he fits it. He fits the world of Succession really, really well. And I was worried about these recognizable faces and how they're going to integrate into Succession. But uh, as far as Adrian Brody and Sanal Lathan, I th- I feel like it's been pretty seamless. Yeah, um, I realized while watching that 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 scene where they have to like kind of work together. Uh, in order to be able to get him on their side, that Adrian Brody is that dude who may not be doing the crazy Hollywood stuff on the side, mm-hmm. but he knows the people who do the crazy Hollywood stuff on the side, and he's cool with it. He won't say anything. Just yeah. make sure you just make sure you got him in the next role. <laughs> uh, Adrian Brody definitely plays that part well. Um, I am loving the entire dynamic right now between uh, you'll you'll think you think they're gonna get close in one episode, and then they really don't, mm-hmm. and then like they like. They will hate each other. The, the when Z-Way appears in the what is it third episode? Sophia Wobi. He's she's uh, our boy's really excited to like go on there because he's on this whole run where he thinks that uh, he's going to be able to like just make fun of himself throughout the entire run. Mm-hmm. And then Kendall realizes like there's a letter that's released on him, and it's just like you know the ups and downs that they're all going through with each other. Where it's, yeah. you think oh they're still going to be siblings or now nah, they just did something to each other where I don't. I don't see this being fixed ever again. Like, they're really yelling at each other to the point that I don't see them ever being a, a family. And they were already stressed as could be, thinking back to, like, when they took that one uh, retreat in the earlier seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's really great to see the dynamics there. Uh, I, I had said that they were going – it was going to be Shiv v. Kendall. And for a second, it almost looked like she was going to join, but it, definitely on complete opposite sides. What do you think of her deal? Right. So, yeah, in the most recent episode, Shiv – 
uh, kind of takes a little bit of a step out on her own while Logan is dealing with his UTI and ra- related, related pee madness, is that what, what, what they called it? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, and, and sort of gets herself a seat on the board. You know, it's interesting because I think Shiv has taken a lot of L's so far this season. Uh, j- just being constantly undermined and uh, when she does try to assert some power... Uh, she's basically told like to back off and don't bother Carl of all people. Like she can't tell Carl what to do. But <laughs> look at Pink Sweets when Connor came in and said, "Is this like that thing you did when you were a kid and we were playing pretend?" We I rewinded that immediately. Where did this come from from Connor? How did he out of nowhere come up with probably top ten roasts in the show? That was so mean. That's exactly what I'm talking about. They're saying stuff to each other this season that I was like. I've seen y'all, like, really be mean to each other for two. Mm-hmm. But in this story, when y'all saying stuff that, like, I don't know, man. Like, I wouldn't talk to y'all for a couple I, months. Yeah, I mean, the the letter that Shiv puts out just being really, really airing all secrets for Kendall. Uh, the the whole Ratney sequence. Like, that... <laughs> right? how, how, do you, how do you come back from doing those things to your siblings? Um, it, it, it's definitely got... Has that harsh tongue. Has that harsh edge that we love from succession. Um, but to get back to, to that moment, uh, you were talking about where she, Shiv sort of negotiates herself some board seats. You know, that to me is one of the rare wins she's had thus far this season. Like she is, she is responsible for getting that yeah. deal across the finish line. Even if, even if Logan isn't going to give her credit, other people know that. And she's ensured herself a little bit of power. If she's going to be on the board, you know, uh, she, she's kind of like staked her, Claim, put her put her stake in the sand or whatever whatever, whatever yeah. metaphor you want to use there. So, you know, she's been definitely her power rankings have been dwindling through these five episodes. But I think she like saved herself a little bit of face time with with that uh, one bit there. Who who do you think? Uh, well, who do you think has raised their esteem the most in the power rankings? Who's who's uh, negotiated their way to the top? Greg. Greg, they fighting for Greg. No, Greg, take my lawyer. No, Greg, take this lawyer. No, Greg, let me go over there. Let's want to tell you about Greg. I love Greg. Great character. You're seeing his true colors, man. Mm-hmm. I've always said this. I feel a lot of people connect to Greg. You ain't gotta give me all full screen over here. <laughs> a lot of people connect to Greg. I think that they very much see themselves in what Greg's position would be. Greg kind of scummy, bro. I know we like to pin it on everybody else and that he's the novice here. Nah, at the end of the day, you don't need to be knowledgeable to be faithful. And there are moments where he is fully with Kendall and he's like, yeah, but like, Papa just called. <laughs> you, you, Should I go have a you said, coke? You said Greg's kind of scummy. My man's about to sue Greenpeace. <laughs> kind of scummy. Kind of scummy. Is there is there a, an affection an affectionate way to sue a relative like like I love you but I'm also holding you financially responsible? <laughs> I told you, man, you cannot have Greg's around you. I know y'all like him, but that's what happens. It, it, honestly, like, like I felt me, I felt bad when um, Tom was yelling at him. Uh-huh. Which great scene, by the way. Oh yeah, that, are we talking about the uh, ca- scene where he talks about the castration? Yes. Oh my goes, god, what a scene! I, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Yeah. I don't want to be here either. I don't know. There's just like mo- – yeah. Because, you know, they're saying a line, but there's so much extra meaning to it, uh, which, again, Tom would also be one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. 
because of what he's doing this season. Matthew McFadyen in particular, like you got to shout out that performance. That is an Emmy winning performance there he's giving so far as a man who's like literally unraveling. It feels like googling googling prison blogs. My my man is not doing well. Yes. (laughs) If Greg has shown his true scummy side, damn. The town turned into really the heart of the show, man. Yeah. The conversations he's having, not just with Roy uh, or with Logan, in terms of, Papa. like, I'm willing to do this. <laughs> he's killing it this season, man. Yeah. He's never been in my top three. He's in my top three. Yeah. I am higher than Chef this season. Would have never thought that. Would have never thought that. He's, he's Incredible. Great. He's great. Uh, oh. I'm... I'm definitely really excited to see. Yeah, this I think episode five, the most recent one we saw, was actually a particularly good um, Tom one because you really do get that desperation that like how much he really, really wants to belong and how how much he relishes. Like even if Logan is in this piss mad, (laughs) poor health state, he's gonna relish that moment where he gets called son because it means the world to him to be included in that way. Uh, it, and that desperation is so funny and, and sad, but it, it's it's super compelling. I ask you, would you have left it up to the shareholders? Would you have taken the deal? I personally am Team Logan in terms of decisions. You got to trust the man. I. But but is he in his right mind when he's saying that? Or or maybe the piss madness just makes him more unfiltered and truthful than ever. Logan. Here. Yeah. Logan. Not even his full <laughs> mind. And then everybody else with some of, with like missing that. his faculties. Even with that, yeah, that's how far ahead Logan is. He's always been right, but I don't know. We'll see. I think there's going to be a fallout to it, bro. I, yeah. I, also oh, I agree like, with you. I, I don't know if um, right? I, it's definitely giving the, the Sandy Sandy Stewie <laughs> coalition a lot of power. By the way, Sandy's, <laughs> Sandy's, Sandy's daughter being named Sandy is just a succession. The whole bit was so funny. I just listened to my father. <laughs> I just that's do what my I dad do. tells me. Does, don't you guys? Don't you guys? Uh, no, it's a really great season. Uh, as we haven't mentioned Roman, but Roman continues to be the glue. So, he's not overdone in the season. He he's just enough right there. I want to I want to shout out uh, Caitlin because my girlfriend has uh, her thoughts on Roman that he has actually kind of proven himself to be maybe the most competent of, of the kids, the most level headed, the one Took who the doesn't the the one who gets on the phone with the president and can hold his own at least a little. bit. Uh, This has been a pretty interesting Roman season as a guy who through the first two seasons of the show never really seemed like a real candidate to be in the running to take over. He's got the kind of the right energy about him that he isn't phased by all the craziness and chaos that he has to deal with. Um, Yet he's still like he I think he kind of remains level headed and doesn't get irrationally angry. Something that's really registered with me this season is how much the the Roy kids are are kind of in a state of arrested development and, and, and not fully developed. Like they are mm. Shiv and Kendall particularly are kind of like emotional toddlers. When they they try to get something done, they have like very vague suggestions, like what get, get it done. Just talk to the doctor. You know the the uh, the kid's rabbit is sick, and he yells at his assistant, like just call the doctor. You know, Yo, like because that's going to get everything rabbit. done. And then when he can't force his way, he just screams and yells at everybody because he's a he's a toddler throwing a tantrum. And I think most of most of the Roy family kind of is emotionally undeveloped in that way that when they can't, you know, charm or, or negotiate to get their way, they'll just scream and cry about it. 
No, it's, you're 100% correct. Yeah. I think that's the reason why he just he knows that none of them are going to be able to, I guess, make it. I don't know if the season has changed for you, who you think will be the one to fully take over if there is one. I mean, there was even that moment there with a the deal where they almost said, uh, oh, yeah, we'll make the deal, but no uh, Royce can ever be right. uh, part of it. And Yeah. Well, I think that also uh, brings us back to a really interesting moment in the fourth episode when Adrian Brody kind of testing the relationship between Kendall and Roy kind of puts it to Logan, uh, Kendall and Logan, uh, puts it to Logan like, who is he going to be the next guy? Can he take over? And it's so illuminating and interesting to me that Logan, who through the 40-something years of Kendall's life, has been unable to, like, embrace his son and tell him he's proud of him and tell him he loves him and tell him that he's he's got what he takes. When it's met with the threat of a shareholder withholding his votes, Logan's able to act like a loving father and able to, to praise his son and able to say that this kid's got what it takes and I believe in him. And it's so fascinating what that says about the whole family dynamic. That episode was really, really great. I loved in episode four, how much they just left you to sit with the awkward silences. Something that I don't think they do mm-hmm. very much on TV, because TV is a very noisy medium. But they they yeah. held the camera on the two of them and, and didn't, didn't try to, like, undersell how awkward it would have been or just talk it mm-hmm. over. Anyway, that was a pretty slow episode with... Uh... <laughs> and practically crippling yeah. trying you, to walk the uh have you found the this season slow at all i know some people find uh have found the it's first slow. couple episodes dragging it is yeah i mean you have let's see the first one moves a lot it's pretty much people in cars the second one if i'm not mistaken is the one where literally all the siblings meet in the house yeah. and they're just talking in the house and mm-hmm. then the third one i'm blinking on what happens there i guess it's when he comes into the building yeah that's uh, with the, the z-way, Z-way episode. And stuff yeah fourth episode has a very extended sequence when they're on the island so yes but i don't think that's a bad thing mm-hmm. i know there's a lot of talking but i i i think the re while it is slow i think the rewatchability of it when you go back and you realize i think there's enough punch in the lines that I it's agree. still intriguing it's still just the sharpest written show on tv and the script yeah, is and that's so what I'm rewarding that that it doesn't matter um i i've mentioned this in the discord but one of the things that has been interesting is Succession is is a show where, it, it, for the most of the first two seasons, it feels like there's almost like a month that passes between episodes, right? Like you're really mm-hmm. moving forward in time, great distances. Um, and then the first five episodes of this season, if you told me that all happened over the course of like two weeks, I, I would believe it. You know, it, it feels very condensed in that sense. And I wonder if that is what feels a little bit different about the show, that like, you know... They've spent five weeks building up to the shareholders meeting, essentially, rather than like, we're yeah. going to go to Colorado, we're going to go to Europe, we're going to do the bachelor party now. You know, like it's, it's a little bit more uh, singularly focused. That I wonder sense. if some of that has to do with the ways they've changed the show to accommodate for COVID. You know, feels like there's a lot more of just like it's the true. same few characters getting in rooms together rather than like... Lots of new characters and cycling in and out. Yeah, you can't take that out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I it, it hasn't really dulled my enjoyment for the show, even if it is um, maybe a little bit more more um, play-like in that it involves, like, 
these people being in rooms together. I mean, episode five itself was particularly farcical in the way that people are just constantly entering and exiting and, uh, you know, they're, they're running out with the imaginary dead cat. Um, also interesting to me that how much of a backseat Kendall took in episode five. It, it, for, for as much power as it felt like he had coming into this season, all of that has seemed to slip through his fingers as he, we've gotten further and further along. Yeah, but it made for a great scene when they all just yell at him when he comes back in. <laughs> so Again, talking about their lack of emotional maturity. And he's also had yelling. so much in the first three episodes, so I, I was mm. cool with him taking a back burner for a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but, it, you know, uh, Pink Sweets mentions the, the moment on stage here, which was just so cringe-inducing. But it makes up for it. I think it's hilarious that, you know, the way that he sort of tries to their position name, himself. Bro, what? Yeah, he's trying to do nah. this like woke act, and and it's so transparent and self-aggrandizing. It's so funny. That's what Zwei called him out for. Yeah, it's 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 just a super smartly written show. I'm still enjoying every bit of it. I'm, I'm super amped going into the second half of the catch season. Up. Catch up. Yeah, if you're not on the train, catch up. It's worth doing the week to week. You don't normally do the week to week thing, and you told me That's... that this is good enough for it. What best what best review can I give you? Yeah, yeah. I'm tuning in. So what's the what's the number one thing you're looking forward to as uh, we get into the back half of season two, three? Um, I saw someone had mentioned it a little bit earlier. To be honest with you, it's the Connor storyline. One where I, I agree. I don't know where Willa is, bro. Where is yeah. Willa? Uh, I, I again, I tweeted about this. Justine Lupe or Lupe, I don't know how you pronounce her last name. She was elevated from a recurring to a series regular. So she's credited at the beginning of every episode. I think she's had one line of dialogue in five episodes. So so know. maybe there's a lot of Willa coming on the back half of the season. But yeah, that that was definitely strange, the lack of Willa we've had so far. It's weird. But I mean, considering all the stuff that they talked about with the president, I don't know, man. I feel they're going to push this man to maybe be president. Like, it's going to be so absurd. I, I think they're going to have that be a... Sorry, you paused for a second there. <laughs> I think I glitched out a little bit. Yeah, yeah uh, pretty yeah. much. I was just to to run it back in case it didn't go through. Uh, they're going to the definitely push this man. Yeah. To run for president, even if he doesn't make it, I think there's going to be a whole election uh, focus for sure. For sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the the coming next the succession talks about how they're they're picking the next president and. Connor has been kind of saying like, look, he's been saying I, it. I'm, I'm waiting guys. And not, not just for whether he's running for the presidency, but he's also looking for the kind of, uh, you know, approval from the family or, or give him some kind of job or something. I, I, I'm waiting for Connor to make his big play. Cause he's, he keeps threatening to do it. And, and maybe we're mm-hmm. going to get that soon with the, uh, looming presidential, uh, storyline coming in succession. So yeah, that that's definitely an interesting story to me. I'm I'm very curious for that. I'm also very curious uh, when Alexander Skarsgård is going to show up. Like a, that's another big guest star looming on the horizon, and he's not going to show up for a small part. So is he going to come in and change the balance of the show yet again? Um, mm-hmm. A lot of stuff to look forward to with Succession. We'll talk about it more on future intercuts. Intercuts, I'm sure. Let's wrap this up with the new to see, where we also get into our picks. For the week, uh, I want to start this off with something that is maybe not going to be a pick for the week, but uh, shouting it out just because it is uh, going to be in theaters. 
Uh, did you ever get around to seeing Bad Luck Banging or Looney Porn? I have not yet. So I believe this was chosen as Romania's entry into the Oscars this year. So they got chosen. Okay. Yeah. So if you are uh, one of those people who likes to follow uh, the Oscars race and stuff, this is maybe worth keeping on your radar. Even though I was really frustrated with it, there's moments in here that I really like. There's a whole sequence in the third act that I think is very smartly written. I, I liked the debate, and then they kind of undercut it with a like needlessly vulgar ending that I, I hated. Uh, but not everybody hated it. Uh, there's David Ehrlich has a three and a half star review, so maybe you agree with David Ehrlich. So bad luck banging or loony porn is available in theaters. Uh, not something else that I wasn't a huge fan of, but is getting some accolades is what do we see when we look oh. at the sky? This is a Georgian film that I think was just nominated for a Gotham Award. Um, and it's available in theaters. It's a it's a pretty interesting film in that it's kind of this like observational look at a town, and it kind of it has like a, a little bit of like an AD, ADD focus in that the lens shifts from different stories to to different people, and there is sort of like this love story that co- connects most of it, but a lot of it is just these little tangents about the town, and it gives you sort of like a sense of atmosphere. I didn't fall into its rhythms. It's a very, very slow-moving movie, but it is beautifully okay. filmed and and kind of like uh, almost like a fairy tale in in the way that it's it's narrated. So I there's something there for some people. Uh, definitely not my favorite. Uh, I did want to shout out a movie that we liked back when it played the Sundance Film Festival. That is Writing with Fire, which is hey. uh, uh, out in theaters this weekend in a few cities, uh, New York and L.A. at least. Uh, this one is, is a story of uh, a, an Indian newspaper run by Dalit women, uh, you know, taking advantage of modern technology. They're using smartphones and uh, filming and editing stories that are telling the stories of, of a lot of people who are not covered uh, well enough. Uh, by the Indian media and it, it just like a very um, it's a very strong uh, argument in favor of the role that journalism plays like local journalism and particularly in t- telling the stories of the people affected by those stories by the people affected by those stories mm-hmm. uh, highly recommend that documentary coming and out. technology because they I like this one too I highly recommend it as well it's because of the phones and the ease of access of being able to go in with them and the internet that they're able to get their stories out, that they wouldn't have been able to uh, prior. Uh, another film from Sundance, which, is it a documentary? I, I think we were a little bit I don't know, bro. You, had me, yeah, you still had me thinking on this one. Captains of Zatari. Very interesting film. Uh, I kind of think it's sort of like a hoop dreams, but for these refugee yep. children playing soccer uh, in Jordan, it's just a fascinating look at the lives on the ground and, and the dreams of these kids and how they kind of get sucked into this like landscape of uh, international soccer. I, I don't know. I, I appreciated it for its observational qualities and just sort of giving you um, a story of these refugees that isn't about the, the, the pain and the struggle and the, the hardship, right? It's about where they kind mm-hmm. of, some of the joys they have or some of the, the passions they pursue. Well, uh, but yeah, it does have that little decent. bit of like, is it fiction? Is it is it reality thing going on? 
which I, mm -hmm. I'm curious. I don't know if I, I have to find an interview with the director and see if he's commented on that. It's all fake. Soccer doesn't exist. <laughs> Did you get around to watching the latest IFC Midnight release, The Feast? I have not yet. I don't know if the link expired, but I do want to see this one because Alina caught it at, I want to say it was South By. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, look, it doesn't seem like you were won by it, but I think you still found it intriguing. Yeah, I mean, there's some interesting elements here. Uh, it's sort of got this like dreamlike quality in certain uh, aspects. And I do think it ends in a pretty horrifically satisfying um, climax of, of uh, you know, horrific elements coming together. But it, it's a little bit, like, hard to penetrate at first in terms of the story it's trying to tell. Uh, I think a lot of the scary stuff that happens feels very unmotivated or, or under-explained, too. So even if, mm -hmm. the, you know, some of the performances and, and visuals kind of, uh, intrigued me. I was just not really ever connected to what's going on in a way where the scares felt justified, if that, if that makes sense. So okay. maybe I need to uh, give another uh, give it another try. It also feels like to me um, a film where I'm I may be missing something by not knowing the folklore behind it. Like it definitely feels like it's reliant mm -hmm. on knowledge of of stories or of a place that I didn't have. Okay. Because uh, it is filmed in the Welsh mountains, it's it's spoken in Welsh, which I don't know if there are a lot of movies that come out of uh, Wales, but it does feel like a novelty at least to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I was a little mixed on this one, so maybe somebody I'm else. Though. Yeah, maybe somebody else can catch up with it and let me know uh, what I was missing in terms of okay. feast. A um, couple of movies that are out now, I guess, or in theaters at least. Mm -hmm. The Power of the Dog, which. We'll be on Netflix, I think, in a couple of weeks, but I think it's doing a three-week theatrical run first. Mm -hmm. You're catching the music this one box tonight? Uh, I'm hoping to. At some point this weekend, if you're able to go to the music box, I heard that the music box has a really nice 4K projection of this mm. movie. Zach, you saw it once, twice? Um, I had the digital screener, so I kind of saw it like one and a half times. Okay. Uh, you recommend this as a theatrical viewing? I know you had said yeah. that this is one of those where you had to run it back. Yeah. It, so it is... It's got a really interesting story that I think is a little bit dense and one that takes a while to reveal what it's really about. Like for me, um, it was literally in the final scene of this movie where I felt it all click together. And maybe I'm just a little bit in, maybe that's my lack of you're perception. You're not the only one, bro. But nah, you're not the only one. It really, really feels like it. It kind of just builds and builds to uh, to where it's its ending. And even though I was a little bit not sure of what exactly it was trying to tell until it got there. I felt very satisfied once it did. It is a really expertly told story here, directed by Jane Campion, with some really excellent performances. Shout out Benedict Cumberbatch, shout out Kirsten Dunst, our boy Jesse Plemons. But the unexpected turn is Cody Smith-McPhee, who I didn't really have much regard for prior to this movie, and he is very, very good in this kind of like weird, a, a little bit like not as masculine role. I, uh -huh. I, I very much dug him here. I think he's going to be in the running uh, when we get to Oscars time. Ooh, um, okay. But yeah, the, the, it's a very interesting movie about masculinity and about these relationships. And uh, I, I just found it to be very alluring, very uh, beautiful, too. You got the Johnny Greenwood score and you got the great cinematography. We got two this year? I think we got three Johnny Greenwood scores this year, man. We're eating this good. This Spencer and We're what? We're eating good. Uh, let me look it up because I'm not sure, but Johnny Greenwood. Wow. As you should set up. Uh, yeah, I, I've been hearing uh, a lot of great things oh, about this. Here it's up. Wait, no, it is. It is. My looked at the long, wrong thing. My bad. Oh, okay. Uh, I've been hearing that it's a Marvel list movie, 
and uh, it is one of those that uh, you, pizza, there's, of course. There's certain seats. Spencer, Power of the Dog, Licorice Pizza. Imagine being connected to those three movies. I also did catch Spencer. I was telling Zach, uh, I do want to rewatch it again, but I, I pretty much agree with everything Zach said in the previous podcast. If you go check out his uh, great performance by Kristen Stewart. Stewart. Uh, but I have to I have to watch it again because I came at it from a completely different perspective. And this man was like, now I'm telling a story. I don't know what Spencer <laughs> mean to y'all. This is what Diana mean to me in this movie. Uh, so I do want to give that one a rewatch. But damn, uh, I, I did like Greenwood score in that. I'm so excited for Licorice Pizza, bro. I hope you get a screener soon, man. I hope you get a big... I my ticket to 70 millimeter. I, I don't need no screener. I'm watching this movie exactly the way I want to. I'm, I'm Unfortunately, it's not happening until after really? Thanksgiving, but I, I bought my tickets to Licorice Pizza already. I can't wait. Well, happy Black Friday, bro. <laughs> Congrats to you, man. I don't know when we're getting it, but I do want to see it in a very nice theater, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to Power of the Dog. I know it was supposed... I thought it was going to have a November 17th release. I guess that meant for theatricals. It's It should be in... in in on netflix sorry uh at the beginning of december but uh, i'm gonna try to catch it in theaters yeah devesh mentioned is this one an oscar contender definitely this is going to be one of the big oscar contenders i would go so far as to say that it is uh in the running for best picture so if you are an oscar watcher i I haven't seen belfast yet i'm gonna go this weekend did you see belfast okay i was supposed to last night but they delayed my screening because they were showing eternals right uh, let's let's go watch Belfast over Thanksgiving and, and report back. All right, I want to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think this is Power of the Dog. It's going to be a contender in like all categories, really: production, uh, acting, directing, for sure. So that's Power Solid. of the Dog. Another Oscar contender is out in theaters this weekend. Although neither Ugh. of us have seen uh, King Richard yet, I'm very intrigued. No by Thursday it. showings. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the boy, Ronaldo Marcus Green, who has some good and some bad in that track record. I forgive, but, uh, him, for it. I forgive him for that one. Yeah, it seems like people are pretty hyped on King Richard. Most specifically, people are really hyped on that Will Smith performance. My man has been one of the iconic figures in Hollywood for, for years and years and years now. Uh, has two Oscar nominations under his belt, but does not have that win. He's coming for it with this movie, it sounds like. I'm very excited. I don't, I don't know if he'll get the win. I hope he gets the nom, but I, I really want to see this one in theaters. But the HBO rollouts has it completely stilted. So I, I don't know if I'm going to be end up end up seeing it at home because there's this one. And then Netflix, of course, also with the Lin-Manuel Miranda debut that I've been hearing great things about with Andrew as well. So we just got powerhouse leads this weekend. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of Oscar contenders. We still have to catch up with Tick, Tick, Boom. So we will talk about that for sure on a future uh, intercut episode. Uh, let's close it out with just like one random pick for the week, I guess, here in a movie that just, uh, it's already been available on VOD, but now it's available on AMC Plus and Shudder. So if you have either of those services, go ahead and check out Prisoners of the Ghostland, the latest chaotic vision from Scion Sono, which we caught out of Sundance. Uh, it is one, it, it is in the genre of batshit Nicolas Cage performances among the batshittiest, uh, I think I would say. Uh, it is, yeah. it, it's really out there. There's lots of jiffable moments that I'm surprised haven't made their way uh, to mainstream Twitter yet. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed this movie, even if I don't think I could tell you what it is about anymore. Like, I don't remember much of it, but I do remember that uh, Nicolas like Cage had a, had a had a explosive collar and rode on a tricycle. Um, not just the collar on, a, on, a, on his own 
and his own nuts too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, totally. I totally uh, missed our whole little TV section. Let, let's do a little rewind and talk about a couple TV shows. Uh, first, I got some TV shows too. Yeah. Uh, let, let's do our little Paramount Plus thing first, man. Uh, they are pu- making a push now. Paramount is the latest of the big streaming services, uh, and mm-hmm. t- uh, and they are investing deep into Taylor Sheridan, the boy who has given us Sicario, the script for Sicario. He's given us Hell or High Water. He's kind of like the name in sort of these like crime fiction, low-boil thrillers that are, that are out right mm-hmm. now. Uh, he is in charge. He wrote the show Yellowstone, which has been I have been a hearing great things hit. from Yellowstone. It's yeah. a gigantic hit. It's one of the most watched shows on television. And so many seasons too, yeah. yeah. And Paramount And we're talking television television. Yeah, but here's the thing. Uh Viacom kind of fumbled the bag on Yellowstone. They had already signed exclusive streaming rights of that show over to Peacock. So basically Paramount's biggest show is not available on Paramount Plus, you can watch new episodes, but once the whole season is done, that stuff moves to Peacock. So in the meantime, well, good because Peacock got the better service. <laughs> we'll get so to I that. Stream it better. We will without, get to that without that many glitches. Uh, but in the meantime, they are trying to do a lot with your boy Taylor Sheridan. Uh, they just debuted the fourth season of Yellowstone, uh, in which they. <laughs> they had not one but two backdoor pilots for other shows that are going to be spun off of Yellowstone for the Paramount Plus network. And then on top of that... Really? Yeah, uh, one of them's called 1883. I forget what the other one's called. But yeah, they're doing backdoor pilots off of those shows. There's a whole other show uh, that Sheridan has been signed on to uh, write, uh, to, to create, I believe. But the one we're going to start out here with is Mayor of Kingstown, which has just debuted its first two episodes uh, on Paramount+. Plus. This is a splashy show starring Jeremy Renner, Diane Wiest, Kyle Chandler, Wink. Um, and it's sort of a, a about this, this uh, power broker living in uh, Kingstown, Michigan, where, you know, the... Uh, the line between the crime, crime and law is very thin, and this family serves at the middle of it to kind of <laughs> hold it all together. He he may not be the actual mayor of Kingstown, but he's like the unofficial mayor of Kingstown. People come to him to solve all their problems. Uh, so they se- they were nice enough to send us the first two, three episodes uh, with press screeners. I watched the first one, and I... I honestly really couldn't make much of it because this is a show where people mumble a lot of their dialogue and they didn't have any subtitles on those episodes so I waited until they hit Paramount no Plus subtitles? so I could watch it with the subtitles because I think you need it for a show like this. One is that that's so densely plotted, you know you they're throwing you into a world that already exists, that already has these fighting allegiances and, and different powers at play and characters that have these relationships that you have to find out about. And it is all kind of like so much to wrap your head around that like, I don't know if I have a real feel for the show. Even after two episodes, they, they threw in some pretty, pretty big twists that I don't want to spoil right off the top, but it, it still kind of feels like a show uh, navigating to a place. And one that I don't know if I'm like already sold on the ride you have a pretty good Jeremy Renner performance so far, but okay. uh, it, it, the show feels a little bit flat to me through two episodes. Everybody's a little bit just like stern 
outer complexion and like everybody's a little bit like hard worn from the environment, but there's not that not a variety amongst yeah. the deliveries that the cast is giving you. They even bring in like Diane Weist who brings you know the, the sunny energy to so many performances, and the first thing she does is tell somebody to fuck off. Like it's just, it, I don't know. It's it's a little gruff and a little bit unrewarding. So I I feel like it might get to a really interesting place, but I don't know if I'm going to stick with it long enough to get to that interesting place. And it's a weekly show too, right? Yeah, there's only two episodes out now. The next one's going to be on November 21st. It's going to be interesting. I like how Hillary says, uh, and it does sound a lot like it. You got mayor of Kingstown after everybody still got in their mind the HBO show Mayor of Easttown. <laughs> That's funny. Yep, yep. All right, well, I'll see. I, I'm probably going to wait for it to uh, completely wrap up, then probably give it a watch it on binge. Paramount. But, like, I mean, Paramount's just, they've been pushing this one because, again, I've, through Paramount, through Peacock, uh, I've gotten Showtime. I've been testing out all of them. So far, I will say, as much as I have a bunch of gripes for Paramount Plus as a service, Showtime is worse, bro. The, the Showtime one is terrible. But just focusing on this one right here, it is so difficult to find some stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was, like, literally just trying to watch Awkward. You know, I, for whatever reason, I wanted to catch up on that show, the MTV one from a while back. And they made it so difficult to look for it. It's just the way that they, they set up things. The uh, Even for mine, like, I, I can't speak to yours, but my keep watching will sometimes mix things up. And yeah. that's not just to, to Paramount. You know, Netflix is known for finagling that as well to get you to continue on the site. But sometimes I, I find it difficult to find um, whatever the new originals would be if they're not pushing it enough with a big budget. And that way it's it's up on the top. Uh, and they also do this thing where it's like, if you scroll back up, it'll tell you watch now instead of like being able to click the show. Right. And I don't know. Like, see, it's, the show is not clickable. That's clickable. Yeah. That you can't click the, sh- the show. I don't know. I feel like they, there's still a lot of interface things that they need to fix with it. Yeah. Um, My f- and then it's just interesting. <laughs> the thing that I what? found funniest is when I signed up for Paramount plus, it does that thing that a lot of apps do where it's like, tell us five things you already like. And it's like, all right, tell us the three Paramount plus programs you already like. And it's like, I guess I'm going to pick Paw Patrol. Like you, doesn't y'all, don't, y'all don't have a whole lot on your app for me to choose from yeah. yet. I didn't get it. Watch. It's like which one of the forty six NCISs do you want? Right. Right. Exactly. Um, But also, did you get the uh, ad free version or the ad free version, (laughs) or the ads or the ads? Because I'm paying for the full nine ninety nine, no ads, and they still Still have ads in front. I don't now. I know that there's also every single service is doing this from Prime to HBO, where uh, they don't consider the advertisements for their shows ads, Mm -hmm. but that's still a whole forty five seconds. To a minute sometimes that I'm waiting there. Yeah. I don't know. Not not the biggest fan of that so far. But hey, Paramount, one of the big news with Viacom was that they as big as they were getting rid of what was it, Annihilation? They thought they had scored swindling Netflix by sending them the Cloverfield one, the Cloverfield Paradox. Mm-hmm. They were like, nah, if these movies can't be theatrical, we don't want to do it because we are a theatrical place. They said they're not focusing on theater anymore, and they want to build up their platform. So I, I am not a really big fan of the decisions Viacom makes, so I can't say anything there. But please don't tell me you saw the show called Ghost, bro. Please don't tell me. I hate the advertisement to the show. <laughs> I, I did, too. I just decided to check out a couple episodes because it apparently is a gigantic hit for CBS and Paramount+. Plus. Uh, it's, I think, uh, their most watched comedy so far. Um, you know, R.I.P. our boy... Adkarsh, who is, like, just there to be the boyfriend, 
like not even uh-huh. not even be funny on the show. He's just kind of there. Uh, okay. It's look, it's a net- network sitcom, bro. Like, what do you what do you want? It's it's broad and it's stupid. Well, that's the thing. They need to learn to make the shift over that Netflix did, where there it's it's a there's a streaming style now that people enjoy. Which we've kind of had the discussions in the past for, be it good or bad, there is this extra layer where now that you're on streaming, you don't have to go through the cliches that you end up seeing on television. I think you and I really uh, were excited for that one that uh, what's her name from Shiva Baby was going to be in, and then we catch it and we're like, oh, this is tropey as Call your be. mother, yeah. yeah. You know? And, and I think that that's just because it's still on network television. Yeah. And again, be it Paramount, be it Viacom, they're just not good at adapting. I mean, there's a reason why they put Plus. They were so late to the game, they just went, ah, Paramount Plus. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they're still fixing it. So, we'll, we'll see what they end up doing. Is this CBS too? Damn. Probably. I know the other one ends up, it's on Hulu. That's where I caught it oh, okay. from. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah. Nonetheless, I don't recommend it, so don't even worry about where yeah. it's streaming. Catch Shiva Baby on HBO instead. Yeah, Paramount and, and trying to uh, trying to get us to watch it, so we'll be we'll be keeping an eye out for them. As for other TV, uh, I know you've been watching the latest season of Curb, like I have. Fantastic, man! Larry David, Fantastic. still doesn't miss. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, I think the show has been getting a little bit broader under Jeff Schaefer's direction, like stuff like ending in the the hot dog uh, contest. It feels like not something that might have happened on the first six or seven she- seasons of the show, but the orchestra. It, I mean, yeah, it, it like beautiful. It, it's just, it it still is hilarious though. The hijinks and just the situations and the the conversational humor uh, that they always get into. I, I just, I still find the show completely delightful. It's the best palate cleanser after the acidity of of Succession. HBO, I actually they've got it going it, yes. on on Sunday nights right now. It's stacked, bro. And also, shout out to Insecure. Uh, they yeah. also sent us the uh, Appreciate Them. They sent us the, the whole rest of it. So even though it's coming out on a weekly thing, uh, they've been really good at like sending us the whole thing as, like, as a package. So um, I'm halfway through Insecure, and I believe that they're at that point now with the live TV. Uh, really love that show, and I'm very curious to see how she's going to end it because I know uh, Issa was, was saying that some people are going to like it, some people are not, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to see where they take it. I've been enjoying the season so far. Uh, any other TV that has been on your mind? Uh, Ismail had brought up Maya and the Three, and I do need to catch that because I know that's the Netflix show that comes from uh, the director creator who had done Book of Life. Uh, but right now, uh, besides just the regular stuff that we had been talking, I've been doing a lot of rewatching or catching up to Money Heist, uh, to whatever the space one is, Lost in Space, I believe is what it's yeah. called. But I, I took a little time, you know, I had seen my Succession episode, and I had gotten this ad for, I believe it's an HBO Max original called Southside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a goofy little show, bro, but it takes place in the south side of Chicago. You got these dudes who I believe uh, they kind of do delivery. I started on season two. I just started with the first thing that was on there. <laughs> it was like a whole Omaha Steaks episode. How does day in Chicago? Dude got his Omaha Steaks. He needs to find a place to grill them. And uh, the jokes are funny, man. Like, it's not um, – I don't want to say it's like the budget, but the, you know, like the editing maybe could be a little cleaner. The performances could be a little bit better. But nonetheless, if they were, 
then you wouldn't have the jokes that they're able to make in the show because right. they go for it sometimes. Uh, and they'll just they'll just do one offs uh, that that really got to me. And I, I would recommend the show. I thought it I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, like I said, I started season two. I'm gonna go back and start watching it from season one because the characters are just hilarious. That the dynamic that they have is great. Awesome. So uh, Southside, check it out. Very cool. Uh, we have comments here mention- going back to ghosts. Uh, that Ghost is a BBC show, BBC show on HBO, bro. Yeah, it's it, BBC, but I've seen it on on HBO Max. Yeah, I'm pulling up my HBO Max here because smartly they know that a lot of people are are out there watching Ghosts. So what does HBO Max do? They put the BBC oh, version shit. of the show right in the recommended uh, shows for you. They're not dumb, bro. And what's what's really interesting is that they actually started pushing their own version of like the top ten. Because we kind of got into it how after um, Red Notice, Netflix has not created their own site for mm-hmm. their top ten. That'll be a, a bigger discussion probably for the next one because i got to read up more in it. But they have now created their own website for all their top shows and everything of all time, not just weekly. These guys uh, – yeah, as you pulled up the show right there. HBO finally has a tab that says trending. Mm. They haven't numbered it yet. But that's going to be really interesting because we know what has happened with Netflix. And HBO is going to be the same thing. And once all the other services do, it's going to change it as well. Once you put a number, that's a completely different perspective uh, on how these shows are going to be marketed. It's going to be a really big deal who gets that number one spot, who doesn't. It's going to be like Rotten Tomatoes, right? You can say that it's just like a metric, but that metric ends up uh, honestly equaling money. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting how they put it because so far Netflix is the only one with numbers. Yeah, and I will say because Ismail had had brought it up, but uh, finish your point. I was going to say, and more and more, I feel like the the creatives are going to be negotiating to actually get their numbers too because if the creatives they who are to. making these deals don't know how many people are watching their stuff, uh, they're not going to be able to nego- negotiate bigger deals. And the analytics just in that, it's not fair that the company gets to keep it and you don't get to see how your show's doing Absolutely. in general. So, yeah, for sure. He's uh, man reminded me. I did. Uh, I'm working on a video for On My Block, but I would recommend Hentified Season 2. It feels kind of like it's wrapped up. That was one that I had recommended it for his first season about this family. They own a little taco shop. Uh, I want to say it's in LA. And in Season 2, they're dealing with the you know kind of ramifications of what happened with the grandpa because he got arrested. And at this point in time, um, it's pretty much just main in the country where he's been living his entire life. Uh, and I thought it's it's just as good as the, the first season. Uh, obviously, it's got its corniness to it. Uh, it does a really good job, I've always felt, in like switching from Spanish to English. And uh, if you caught any of the first season, um, I think the season two is just as solid. I think it ends in a perfect place that even if they don't come back for a season three, uh, it was a pretty good ride with the characters. Awesome. Uh, I'm assuming you haven't had a chance to get into Tiger King season two. I didn't even know Tiger King. I thought that came out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Available already. Uh, do you want to mention Cowboy Bebop at all? Uh, I saw one episode of True Story. I know nothing of Cowboy Bebop, man. <laughs> I have not been able to catch up with it. I tried to give it a chance. I'm not somebody who's actually spent any time with the uh, animated Cowboy Bebop. So like, I'm not coming in with that like love for the property. Uh, that being said, it that... The live-action show is way too uh, devoted to trying to recreate the, the comics. Like, it, they try to... You can tell by even the way they move that they are not just doing action, but trying to specifically evoke an action from something else. And fundamentally, live-action people do not move like cartoon people. 
and trying to pretend they do, you just make the live action people look ridiculous. And I think, you know, whatever production you put into it, if you are so devoted to another property that you can't make your own best version of it, then there's some failure along the line. Um, they've been getting toasted on social media for posting those comparisons because yeah, it's heard. not just that they're doing the comparisons, but they're doing bad versions, you know? Um, it's just not a pretty show to look at. It's not a very engaging show. The writing is very stiff. I, I It's it's a, definitely a failed attempt. Like, it, it feels cheap in terms of how it's done. And it's okay. just not, it's not going to satisfy people who already care about it, and it's not going to bring people who don't care about it in to watch it. So... I don't know how devoted they are to Cowboy Bebop, but I'm, I'd be a little bit surprised, honestly, to see it get a season two. I'll be... I have to check it out. We'll see. Yeah. I'm going to have to sit... But I feel like I need to sit through the animation before I get to that. Right. Like, the actually, first, the one that the, people actually yeah. enjoy. You know, I don't want to see the bastardized version of it and then have to see the original. I want to see the original and then uh, take it from there. But For sure. Um, I don't know if we're embargoed for True Story, so I'm just going to not say anything as of now because I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what the Zach, is on Zach, it. pull up an episode. They right. put the embargo on there. <laughs> uh, uh, do you catch me? Um, like I said, I cannot say that I've seen it, but Alina just finished it the other day. She has been watching in the background. I think it's a solid show. Very depressing. I know it's based off a book. It's just 10 hours long, bro, to be in such a depressive single mother I just trying to make it after an abusive mother and a, and a, and a very just flaky uh, partner who keeps ruining – I don't know. I didn't have 10 hours of time to devote to that. You. But Alina did, and I mean she, she said it was a good show, and from what I saw, and I would like Peter in, it's – it's a fine show. It's it's good. I just didn't want to be depressed. Um, do any other TV shows, or should we get to a couple questions? But before we wrap up here, I have some questions. I think those are most of the recommendations. Anything else? I'm gonna have a big weekend this week, so I have a lot more to report on by next week. All right. Uh, Hillary here asked us, "Will you guys be checking out the 824 Beach Live replay on Loop?" over thanksgiving uh a24 is doing this like experimental 24-hour film thing called the beach what do you what do you know about this someone i mentioned this a couple weeks ago and i had mentioned i was like in the screening room Mm -hmm. so i finally like got i saw the advertising to it it is dumb bro again i had you don't like slow tv what's your problem with slow tv art it's b-roll bro (laughs) So you got a problem with B-roll? Like, you know those, you know those Yule logs <laughs> that's yeah. on Disney Plus and on Netflix. So like, what if we did that? We called it the Beach. Uh, that's how it's coming off to me. I will report back once I'm dumb enough to pay the six ninety nine, and I guess just sit there and watch this man on the beach. Um, I I feel like hypocritical as somebody who has a Patreon, but I don't want to pay for this. Like, come on, this is something, like, I like slow TV, but I like, you know, going on YouTube and finding video from a train going through the Japanese countryside or something. Like, slow TV can be really relaxing to throw on and just sort of let it leave there while you do other things, but, like, I, yeah, I'm not going to pay six ninety nine for this, even if A24... And you're timed? <laughs> How's that relaxing? Right. The busiest week? A24 just expects you to pay so much for that. And so, I'm sorry, I only I only pay too much for your cookbooks and random clothing. Nah, bro. <laughs> okay, you had to mention the cookbook. I, I'm I'm done with the way that they release things. They it, they all feel like memes. Yeah. It does not feel like they're actually pushing something interesting. Like, even if the creator 
thinks it's interesting. You're getting like a Netflix situation where they'll take your product and, and try to pitch it a different way from the director's intent. I, the guy, bless his soul, whoever made the beach. But I feel like A twenty four is pitching it like, wouldn't it be funny if you just like stared at a at a dude at a beach? Like that's how they're they're pushing it. Like be super relaxed. Well, they're overdoing the selling point on this, and I don't know. We'll see. I'll come back once I once I catch. How long is it? I thought it was like a twenty four hour thing, but maybe it loops. I have no idea, man. This. Uh, all right. What other questions do we have? Um, Charles asked us: Is there a difference between best and favorite movies? He has two top tens. It's an interesting way to to think about it. Uh, I, you know, I think some of that gets into the idea of objectivity and whether or not there is such a thing as objectivity, which I don't think there is like I don't think you can say something is objectively the best film but I do think you can acknowledge that there are your personal favorites and then are there are the things that are just like beautifully made right and and like um even if something isn't necessarily the most beautifully made film it can be one of your personal favorites Although that, you know, to spin it back around, like, if it's one of your favorites, then what, what does it matter how it was made? It affected you. I don't know. What, what do you think? Do you have a, Is there a difference to you between what's best and what's favorite? I think so. I think that's how we use phrases like guilty pleasures, which I don't really like the term too much. But uh, would you not say you can objectively see something as being good, but it's not for you? Yeah. For sure, and right? you know, I've, I, that was the our whole argument I was making with French Dispatch recently, that it is objectively a beautifully crafted film, and I got exhausted watching it. Um, and like, and I, would, I, I don't begrudge that, yeah. anybody saying that it is one of the best movies of the year. I do think it is probably one of the best movies of this year, but it's certainly not one of my favorites. Um, the, it's the other hand that I'm having a little more, more trouble thinking of, like, what is a great example of it, like something that's maybe not great in terms of how it was made but i love it um i know one time afterlife (laughs) sure that that's definitely a contender for that um i know that like we've talked in the past about how you can kind of see the seams in sean baker's tangerine uh you know how you can see where they cut some corners with that movie but it still is like a magical experience to me i think that's an amazing and just like electric movie um, oh, yeah, I vented to you about that, that the continuity was wrong. <laughs> You're like, I don't care. Yeah. But it's true. That, and, and I guess that would be the point, and that's where it comes down to to that discussion. If there are certain elements that do not matter to you, mm-hmm. then that's completely fine. And and then to somebody else, that may be, like, the biggest of deals. I mean, that's a whole form of uh, – that you learn in editing. Do you cut to emotion or do you cut to the continuity? Mm-hmm. And to some people, it's either or. And you cannot objectively say which one is – uh, the correct way to go that is you know that's the beauty of movie that's what makes it so subjective so I, I do understand what it means between best and favorite and I do think that there is a difference and I think it's just acknowledging that mm-hmm. but you're also asking I think when people ask that question they're not saying it like is there a difference I think you know I think what you're really asking is like is it okay to let other people know that I'm approaching this movie from this perspective and at that point good luck yeah because <laughs> yeah I can rate right now Ghostbusters Afterlife four stars, and someone's going to be like, "Wow!" But that's off of my enjoyment of it. Yeah, you then have to you have to over. We're at this point, especially in today's age with the internet and everything, where you're not just rating the movie off of your own. You're to a degree when you're sharing it to the public, uh, rating it with those expectations. You know, mm-hmm. like us when we talk about a movie, we know that there is so much baggage from people having all of these um, 
interpretations or uh, opinions that have already been bestowed upon them that when they come to us, we almost feel kind of like we need to not counteract, but take that into account. Yeah. You know? So, well, that's a bigger conversation at that point, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that like, you know, I, it's it's also difference for, for us being in the position of being like film critics or people who recommend movies. Like we have somewhat of a responsibility to try and communicate to an audience, like, how good is this movie? And even if I think something is, like, brilliant the way that I think Greener Grass is brilliant, like, I don't mm -hmm. want to tell an audience this is a five-star movie because they're going to watch it and be like, why did everybody throw that up during that one scene? Thank you. You know? Yes. <laughs> and you feel like you're almost doing the movie a disservice by overhyping yes. it? Yes. But then sometimes that's the only way that you can get eyes on it. Yeah, that's a whole discussion to have there. Mm -hmm. But that's just – I mean that's why I've never really liked numbers. You know my yeah. rating system and the way that it goes. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a, it's it's a, good, a good question. question. Yeah. And it's a good discussion. It, yeah, for sure. Uh, Charles also asked us if we have any uh, picks for best actress race so far. You mentioned that you had seen uh, Spencer, that you finally got around to seeing Spencer, which I believe has the current frontrunner. Uh, Kristen Stewart in the role. Uh, you also have Jessica Chastain for Eyes of Tammy Faye, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Lady, well, I liked her a lot. Uh, Lady Gaga in House of Gucci, which neither of us have seen, Olivia Coleman in Last Daughter, uh, uh, Nicole Kidman in being the Ricardos. I don't know where you... Seeing it tonight. Where do you, do you feel like Best Actress is uh, heading? Uh, top two, but I'm going to let you know tonight when I see Nicole. Well, I'm not going to see Nicole, <laughs> but I'm going to see her up on screen. You're going to see what matters. Uh, we're going to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, right now, I, I would love, 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 love to see it go to Kristen Stewart. Yeah, I, I think... No, like even in general, even before seeing all the other ones, I would love to see it go to Kristen Stewart, just just because. I'd love to see it go to You said you were, a little, you were a little unsure about the movie, you want to watch it again, but like, did you see enough to, to be blown away by her performance? I, nothing was wrong with her performance yeah. at all. I thought her performance was great. Her, her outfits were fantastic yeah. too, by the way. Shout out them. Yeah. It was just the story and the approach to the story, which is why I want to revisit it. Totally. Um, no, I think it would be great to see her. Uh, I just feel that the campaign push behind Tammy Faye, and again, I think you like to describe it as like, it's a lot of acting. It's yeah. Like, you know, it's a lot of makeup. That's it's what that whole performance is. much bigger performance. Yeah. And I, I don't hate that performance. I don't love that performance either. Yeah. Um, I think it's up to those two, but. I'm really excited to see how's like Gucci, bro. The stories behind this movie, especially after Last Duel, man. Yeah. This man talking about how she discovered method acting. <laughs> and Ridley's like... Lady Gaga invented it. Sorry, Stravinsky. Gaga. Please, yeah. So, And then the stuff with, what's his name, too? Leto coming in. All, he auditioned as a character. Hilarious, oh, I need bro. this movie, man. I can't I wait. need this movie going to be exciting a lot more exciting movies to talk about we will get to them soon but i think that's about all for this edition of intercut you can catch more from us by following us on social media i'm at zshevich art where can people find you you can find me over at lme explain on twitter on letterbox and you can find me every week here on the intercut podcast you can catch every, intercut every week here on the youtube.com slash intercut pod channel or by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite podcatcher i like overcast and then make sure to head over to itunes to leave us a five-star review really appreciate when we get those five-star reviews also follow us on social media whether it's twitter instagram or facebook we are at intercut pod and you can support the show on patreon for as little as one dollar per month also, Appreciate at Intercut Pod, you get to get to hang out with us on our monthly live streams and some other cool access to the show as well. Uh, that's about all for this week. We'll see you again soon. And until next time, tomorrow we're all going to try and look for jobs in the same branch of Target. <laughs>